power on. This episode of TIE Fighter Renegades is dedicated to Jeremy Bullock. The armor is nothing without the man beneath it. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. Ooh, the man of tomorrow is here. And it is time for a little TIE Fighter Renegades, as we are wont to do. And when I say we, that means me and the man, Robin Freebeard. Robin, man, welcome back to TIE Fighter Renegades. Yeah, this is the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, is it? And, uh, you know, I, I know it's it really, this is a, a quick turnaround because, I mean, we, we had just released our latest episode a couple of weeks ago. But man, we we really do have to talk about uh, the Mandalorian. Season two has been wrapped up, and there is so much other news um, that has dropped uh, since then. That has been quite a barrage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, boy, if if anyone was ever wondered whether or not we could do Tie Fighter Renegades for the next decade, uh, let me assure you, <laughs> there is going to be plenty of content to talk about, even if we just talked about Star Wars. Uh, even though we we do like to to, to broaden our scope uh, often enough on this show, and we certainly have some broader scope subjects to get into um, in this episode as well. Um, but I guess we'll we'll open it up, uh, get a little myopic on, unfortunately. Well, we, we celebrate, I don't want to call it celebrated, but we remembered, uh, David Prowse in the last episode, uh, who had recently passed, um, due to COVID, uh, and interestingly, a day before the season finale of, uh, of season two of the Mandalorian dropped, um, which of course Boba Fett is all over the place. Uh, Jeremy Bullock uh, passed away, who, for those that don't remember him, uh, he's the original guy uh, in, you know, that played Boba Fett. Uh, he did the voice, too, as well. Correct, Rob? I mean, he yeah. was in the suit and the voice. Yeah, up until they they took him out after the the, the prequels and they re-edited the original trilogy. Right, and because then they put in... Um, Tamara uh, Morrison... Tamara Morrison. Yeah. Then they put in Tamara's voice. Uh, and I mean, even though still like the guy in the suit that you're seeing in empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. And I could be wrong. I thought that they might've put him in for when, because they added Boba Fett to a new hope, um, with the special edition in 97, but I'm right. not sure he doesn't say anything, but I'm not sure if the guy in the suit walking by in the newly reinserted Jabba scene, uh, was actually Jeremy Bullock, but I do know Jeremy Bullock did have a cameo role in, in episode three. Um, he was there, what was it captain Colton or something like that? Uh, that, that he was, he was in that. So, right. you know, he, he did well, get he, to appear. Go ahead. He was part of the, uh, the special editions too, because when they added scenes to the, the Jabba palace scene and, mm -hmm. you know, Boba Fett's flirting with the, um, the dancers, I believe that was Jeremy Bullock as well. Right, where he uh, he kind of touches the chin of, uh, right. of one of Jobs' dancers. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you know he he's certainly still a part of Star Wars. He wasn't entirely erased from it uh, in in any way, um, but certainly you know his voice isn't there. Um, 
the same way that, that it used to be. Uh, admittedly, I, me personally, I, I do still usually when I think of Boba Fett's voice and maybe this will change over time. And for reasons that we will discuss in an upcoming, uh, or a story that we're going to get to in this episode, uh, I still always hear Jeremy Bullock's voice. Like when he says he's no good to me dead, I don't hear Morrison. I hear, yeah. I hear Jeremy Bullock whenever I think of that line. Yeah. Um, how about here. you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that I, I haven't watched the, uh, the, the re-edited versions of Star Wars in, in really a long time. I haven't even seen the new ones that they did. You mean the Blu-rays? Dis- yeah, no, I haven't seen the Blu-rays. I haven't mm-hmm. seen the, the Disney Plus version. Um, I, right, I, with, with my I, added in. Yeah, I still, I still watch the despecialized editions whenever I feel like watching the OT. Yeah. Yeah, I'll admit, I, I mean, I can't say that I've watched the Blu-ray versions or the Disney Plus versions, which, as far as I know, the only major addition to the Disney Plus versions is the uh, the adding in of McClunky by Greedo, you know, right. in A New Hope. Um, I mean, I've watched the Blu-ray versions a lot, but because I'm a Blu-ray guy, but I definitely haven't watched them as much as I watch like the VHS versions, you know, or be it the special editions or like the last edition that came out in 96. Uh, those would those would rank as the ones I've watched the most. So sure, I can hear that. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a Blu-ray guy too, but mm-hmm. um, I I didn't buy the the Star Wars Blu-rays on purpose because um, the the one thing that that as as a visual artist sort of person that ticked me off is, is the the quote color correction yep. that they did on the Blu-rays to me looks just dreadful, and so I'm not going to pay good money for what to me looks like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear that. Um, yeah. And, and as far as like Blu-rays of Star Wars, I actually don't have many because I'm really waiting for like those more, shall we say, majestic sets uh, yeah. to come out. Um, I, I, I don't it, it's very convoluted. I feel right now getting Blu-rays for for any any aspect of Star Wars from Clone Wars to Rebels to the movies to whatever. I mean, like they're they're It's really a convoluted mess. Right. Uh, so I, I can hear that. Um. But uh, yeah, anyway, so Jeremy Bullock, uh, he did just pass. Um, he, I mean, this is, I didn't realize how active he was. He, he still, you know, got in quite a bit of work, either voice work, not with Star Wars necessarily, but um, but he was doing the business. I know Mark Hamill did a great post about him saying he was just a, you know, the consummate English gentleman, very nice guy. Uh, again, I, I I never really followed him that much, even though I love the character of Boba Fett. Um, but uh yeah, uh, just uh, I, I did find it interesting. I mean, you know, I don't know to to be so tied in with that character and for your death to happen, like right as major things are happening around that mm-hmm. character. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, just just odd synchronicity, I suppose. But uh, anything you want to add in on Jeremy Bullock, Rob? Yeah, no, I mean, I I I don't have any personal experiences with him, and I didn't really follow him that much either. Um, mm-hmm. I know he did do like the odd convention. Uh, now and then, and so I always mm-hmm. have, you know, respect for for the actors who would go out and interact with the fans, and he was one of those. And I heard that he was, sure. you know, you you hear from other fans that that have, you know, met with him or got stuff signed from him. He was, like I said, he was he was a consummate English uh, gentleman. He was a very nice guy, and so yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tragedy whenever we lose one of these people. Agreed, agreed. So yeah, absolutely. Um, well, 
I mean, certainly I think the Mandalorian overall, the, you know, the series will stand as somewhat of a testament to the power of, I think the character of Boba Fett, which he was certainly key to. Um, and yeah, well, I, I think we should just get into it. You know, yeah. we, we, well, we reviewed, go ahead. It, it should be said that, I mean, like, would there even be a Mandalorian show if Boba Fett wasn't that popular? Yeah, no, no. You know? Yeah, no, a- absolutely. Uh, I, I, I don't think it would be in, in fact, you know, it's a great point for you to re- to bring up. Um, I mean, something we talked about with David Prowse was like, sure. I mean, Jeremy Bullock got to do voice and suit, you know, as to where David Prowse didn't really get to do the voice. He was only mm-hmm. in the suit, but his presence in the suit was so powerful. Um, I mean, credit's got to go to Jeremy Bullock, you know, yeah, the Boba Fett suit looks cool, but you do have to walk the walk in something like that. And he did. And Boba Fett's, you know, the reason that so many stories in comic books like Twin Iron Engines of Destruction, you know, or or Twin Engines of Destruction, you know, and all these other things. I mean, the reason the, you know, these became a thing is because there was just that, that aura of cool, just like Vader had the aura of power. I think Boba Fett had that aura of cool. Right. And he became an internet sensation and became so much, even with so few lines uh, and so little screen time because of that. And Jeremy Bullock totally, totally delivered. Uh, in fact, that that might be worth talking about is when we talk about the Mandalorian. But did you have other other thoughts on that? No, that was I mean, I just occurred to me, you know, like we we wouldn't even have that sh- this show if it wasn't for the character of Boba Fett. I mean, like it was just the the the, the mysteriousness and cool factor yep. about him that, you know, made, you know, that the, the Mandalorian, you know, in, the interest in Mandalorians, period possible yeah absolutely absolutely i mean the mystery was a big part of it but again still i think bullock's performance had to reflect that cool i mean if he was going to you know walk past a blast door and hit his head uh you know <laughs> like a certain stormtrooper uh, i don't think it would have worked so well no. you know yeah. uh, we wouldn't have the we wouldn't have the, the the mystique that we had for so long with the character um yeah well anyway Let's talk about the Mandalorian because uh, now we reviewed up to episode six uh, in the last episode of Tie Fighter Renegades that we did. And so we had two episodes past that episode seven and episode eight. And uh, wow. I mean, you know, this, I, I guess we should just start saying it and th- we'll, we'll talk about episode seven and episode eight, but I think everybody's basically talking about episode eight as far as that goes. And also, we'll, you know, we are going to have a bit of an overview here. Um, this is the rare show that I can't believe every single episode just somehow got better and better as mm-hmm. it went on there. It, and, and it was without fail. There was no like downslope episode, like everything. It just kept going up, 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 up. And, you know, just kept the stakes got higher. And, and I, I think that's remarkable. I mean, because you can have, you know, a, a general th- and granted when you're only dealing with eight episodes total, maybe it's an easier feat, but with a lot of other shows, yeah, you know, you have a great opening eh, things calm down for, you know, a couple episodes, then in the middle gets hot again, calm down for a couple episodes. And then, you know, it picks up for, for a cliffhanger finale of some kind, perhaps. Uh, but no, this one just kept raising the bar and it was able to do that obviously because it was pulling from so much. Uh, Star Wars lore, you know, from, from so much of Star Wars past and, and things that, well, like Ahsoka, um, 
you know, Bo-Katan and, and go down the list. It's just, there is a lot of, lot of lore, a lot of mythology to pull in um, and to finally be able to, to have that, that precious moment. Cause I don't know that we're ever going to see this sort of thing again, where you had so many popular elements that had yet to make their way to live action um, to be able to bring them in, you know, and, and bring them to reality. That's part of what made this so exciting. Right. I don't know that there are that many things other than say like Thrawn or Ezra, you know, those kinds of characters, there aren't that many things left. I would think that that could command the same excitement by bringing them to the screen finally in live action. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, the, I mean, again, and I know we've talked about this before, but the great thing is, is like about all of this is it's, it's finally paying off mm-hmm. to be a star Wars fan. You know. Right. Yeah, that's what we were saying last time was that, you know, like like having all this knowledge, having consumed all of this content, be it the Clone Wars, whatever. Now, like it, it's all coming together and finally making sense. And like you say, paying off. Right. Um, like there's a point to it. Uh, and and I, I agree with you completely on that. In fact, I, sh- I should note this is that um, I've even had some interactions with some people who have haven't watched the clone wars or rebels and i'll be perfectly honest with you i'm finding increasingly difficult to relate to those fans right yeah i think and a I lot of people un- go ahead and i can understand why like why some of the people haven't watched that stuff and like it is a time investment i get it yep. but at the same time it's sort of like you know it's like you haven't done your homework and I, I, I'm and here again. I'm just I'm having an increasingly hard time relating to to fans who say, "Well, I just didn't feel uh, 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 any sort of emotional connection to the character of Ahsoka when she showed up because I don't I'm not familiar with her at all." You know, like I can't relate to that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's a great point. And I want to. It's interesting. I think a lot of people are finally because even if they're not emotionally connecting, they're still loving what they're seeing on the screen, I think. And I think it is inspiring people to go back and watch clone wars and rebels. And what I'm glad about is that, cause you know, guys like you and I, Rob, I mean, we've been telling these people for years, like, no, you don't understand. Star Wars is really awesome. Still. You just got to go watch clone wars or you got to right. go watch rebels. And that's where all the great shit that you remember is still happening or right. even bigger and better. And you know, it's funny because people are saying, wow, the Mandalorian is so great. And it is like, there's, there's no argument on this show that, uh, you know, how great the Mandalorian is. Um, but there's great star Wars. And I think in this vein that, you know, that you can, they're years worth with clone right. wars and rebels that you can go back to. Um, we're just finally getting that level of star Wars because finally Disney let Filoni do it in live action, right. you know? And, and, and so we're getting the payoff. So I, go ahead. I guess the message that I'm really trying to get down to is, is it's time people, you know, let go of whatever baggage that if, if that's, what's been holding them back from watching clone wars because they didn't like the prequels. Mm-hmm. It's time to give that up. Yeah, it's, absolutely. If if, if 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 what stopped you from watching Rebels is because it was a Disney show, you know, it's it's time to give that up. Yes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think the numbers are going up and people that can watch. And the other, you know, the other thing that that people I also don't think get like, okay, it's an investment to watch, you know, six, seven years, quote unquote, right. of, of Clone Wars. I understand right. that. Yeah. Um, but also you can watch Clone Wars, especially Rebels, not so much, but you could still do it. But you can watch Clone Wars in a very abridged version. Um, there's great guides out there. If I think of it, I'll link to one. But there are great guides out there that that give you the main story arcs to watch it within. Right. Clone Wars is also confusing too because it's not chronological. If you watch it in air in airing order, like things in season three happen before things that happen in season one. It yeah. it, it, it can be very confusing. There, but are, there are there are, there are guides out there for 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 watching it in chronological order too. In fact, something yeah. I did years ago. Uh, uh, and, and it was a post on Reddit that that got referenced over and over throughout the years because I would get notifications and message people is, is that I went through and took the chronological order and linked it to the episodes on Netflix mm-hmm. so that people could just In go down the list in chronological order and, and, and it would take them immediately to that episode. And, right. from, and from what I've seen is somebody else has now gone through and done that for uh, Disney plus. Nice. Yeah. So that, that's really it is that, you know, you can get through clone wars, you can hit the high notes, you can get that passion for the character of Ahsoka and so on. Um, in, in a very short period of time, like you do not have to watch seven years worth of clone wars at all. Um, when I was taking Ellen through it, I mean, we watched it in the abridged form and I thought it was perfect. Like it was actually, I don't want to call it a better experience, but it was a very satisfying experience to watch it in a more abridged form. And she totally got it. And, you know, she was excited as anybody else when Ahsoka finally came to live action and came on screen. Uh, so it works. You you yeah. really can do it this way. That that may be the way to do it because I mean like the, and, and, and any television show, not every episode is, is a winner. And right. that's certainly the case with with both Clone Wars and Rebels. So right. I mean, there's 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 the long running joke that Brian and I have about filler episodes, and um, you know, like that you will miss some small points because, like Dave Filoni always to make likes to make the point that he doesn't do filler episodes because the stuff always comes up again later on, being right. you know more important later on. Like you know, the perfect example is Space Whales. Yeah, the Purgles. Yeah. Yeah, the Purgles. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so you will miss out on a few minor things, a few references later down the, the road. But then again, you're also going to miss out on on some of the duds like the Jar Jar episodes. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say with Clone Wars is that, like, you can skip ev- almost every Jar Jar episode. I mean, there's just no they don't do anything. I, and, and that's no disrespect to Jar to, to, uh, you know, to, to Ahmed Johnson. Right. I'm at best. Sorry. Yeah, Ahmed no. Johnson's a wrestler. No. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all about the writing in the end. I yes. Mean, yeah. And yeah, and, there's an audience that those are for, and that's abundantly right. clear. And, and, right. and that's not me or most anybody, but that's fine. You know, like I, I don't need everything to be about me, uh, to, you know, to, to love it. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I do think that that Mandalorian season two is going to inspire people to go and and really look back. Um, I mean, I will say, you know what? OK, I mean, I know we're talking about the Mandalorian, but but side side subject, since we ended up talking about Clone Wars and, and even, you know, Rebels a bit. I I don't feel like Clone Wars did Boba Fett any favors because we get a young Boba Fett in that. But yeah. 
for, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, I don't usually like to use these terms, but I'm going to use it here. I mean, he's just a whiny brat, like in, <laughs> yeah, in Clone but Wars. I mean, this is, you could say the same about Anakin, you know, in episode one. Yeah, but I don't, you needed to see him as a kid for him to be really innocent, to understand just how far down the dark hole he went, you right. know, like, I, I think that makes sense. But with, I kind of feel like I, none, none of that did Boba Fett any favors that, 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 that's, that's my, my opinion on it. Um, yeah. But then again, I mean, to me, Boba Fett was never really the, the, I mean, I guess you could say he was the focus of some of those episodes, but it always seemed to be more about the, the bounty hunters surrounding him. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think introducing those characters and getting to know those characters is important. I mean, you could, you could definitely see how, um, Oh, what's her name? Um, I'm blanking the, the tall white with the long fingers. Oh, uh, not Zam weasel. Uh, cause that's the shapeshifter. Right. Or a sing. Or a sing. Right? You could see yeah. like how, like the kind of impact or a sing had on, you know, Boba Fett in his former years. And the same thing with Cad Bane, you right. know, all these people, all these bounty hunters had an influence on who would become, you know, Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that, yeah, I think you're right about that, that you can see like where all those elements kind of come together. It's like, how does somebody become this amazing bounty hunter, you know, in this hardened character? And you, you did get to see that, but he just, I don't, I don't know. I feel like they could have played it off a little bit differently. I mean, I'll say this for Mandalorian season two, what little Django Fett is talked about, um, his legend only grows, in my yeah. opinion, uh, with with this. I mean, like he, you walk away from from season two of Mandalorian thinking, wow, Django Fett was a badass. You know, even though all we saw him when it was, was in episode two, he mm -hmm. was a fucking badass. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that's that's amazing when you can pull that off with just a few lines, and you know, more or less with just like the son of that character. You know. Um, so I almost feel like you get you get more of that more so than even Boba Fett getting highlighted as great of a character, ultimately, minus what I think about in the Clone Wars, ultimately that he is. Um so okay. And it was well, and it was ahead. nice that the Mandalorian finally confirmed for us that Django Fett was a true Mandalorian. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I, I everything that I mean again, and I know we talked about this last time, how, because in, in episode seven and eight of season two, you know, did this even more like the building up of basically a third faction in the star Wars universe, you know, outside of rebel and empire, uh, you know, to have the Mandalorians is just the smartest thing that they could have done because there's no rules. There's very little on the line because you're crafting a subculture as you go. And that's a rare thing you get to do in life or in fiction. Um, and, and I mean, they, they've just, they've taken it and run with it. It does lead me to, so, I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit about episode seven and eight. We've been hitting a bit of an overview of season two overall, but, um, so Din does end up getting the dark saber from Moff Gideon. Um, this, mm. there, there is a, a apparent power struggle that is probably going to get resolved in season three of the Mandalorian, which we do know is going to happen. Um, where he just wants to hand it over to Bo-Katan 
Right. You know, because that's all she's interested in is just she wants, you know, the Darksaber so that she can rule Mandalore. Now, I mean, we know how all that works. If you've watched Clone Wars or Rebels, you understand the whole politics behind that. Um, And it's a very funny moment when he's like, all right, fine, here you go. I yield. It's yours. Take it. You know, <laughs> it, right. was, it was really well done. Uh, it's confusing. She doesn't she, she says she can't just take it. She has to win it by combat, more or less. But. In Rebels, you know, Sabine, who who ends up owning the Darksaber, she just hands it over to Bo-Katan. And so there does seem to be a contradiction here uh, yeah. as, as far as that goes. I mean, have you heard anything, any explanation? Has anybody tried to touch on this? Yes. Okay. And I, I will admit that there it's not a perfect explanation. Uh-huh. But the explanation that I got was, is, and, and, and even Moff Gideon or somebody s- s- mentions that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's about the, the legend of the Darksaber itself yeah. and how right. it comes into a person's possession. Um, Bo-Katan did turn down the Darksaber the first time Sabine tried to give it to her in okay. Rebels. Okay. And it was only after the battle on Mandalore where, you know, they, everybody, you know, basically pledged their allegiance. All these different clans pledged their allegiance to Bogotan that she took the saber from Sabine finally. So mm-hmm. in that sense, she had kind of earned it by rite of passage and by being recognized as, you know, the, the legitimate leader of all these, you know, these different uh, uh, clans. So basically she conquered the clans and so she earned it that way. Right. Because like Sabine was part of a specific clan. I, okay. I mean, I, I, I guess I can get that. Um, I'm sure Filoni has something in mind, you know, I right. mean, he wrote the shit in rebels, so it's, it's not well, like it I wasn't mean, his in the first place. Go ahead. It, 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 it does. It does lead to an interesting possibility in my mind is, is that, you know, the name of, the show is the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and we just thought it's, you know, a Mandalorian, but what if this show ends up being about the Mandalorian? Like, like the Mandalorian, the Mandalore. What if oh, look, he is like, you know, got the it. One, so like what if know? 10 becomes like, like Mandalorian one? Yes, <laughs> basically. exactly. Right. Yeah. What if yeah, he's not Mandalore longer the just, great? A Mandalorian, but he is the Mandalorian. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That would be yeah, so now in the in the uh old EU, that's basically what happened to Boba Fett. Boba Fett eventually became like the king of Mandalore. Right. Uh in, in much later books. That's even after that's after uh the new Jedi Order stuff. I mean, like that that's much later on books. But he he you know, which you would think is crazy. For uh, how does this, you know, lone gunman bounty hunter end up becoming like the president of this people or, you know, the leader of his, of an entire race of an entire planet right. that, uh, but it worked. I loved it. I thought it was a great evolution of the character in the old EU for Boba Fett. And as we've said many times, even though now, yes, we do have Boba Fett, uh, it, actually in the show, um, the Mandalore, you know, Din Djarin was clearly meant to be basically an avatar for probably what John Favreau wanted Boba Fett to be, you know, uh, or, or like he, that's the character he really wanted to play with. He just didn't necessarily have permission. 
and maybe it gave them a lot more creative freedom for it not to be. Right. Uh, and I would, I would certainly agree that it did. Um, if they want to take that same path with Din Djarin, where he ends up becoming, you know, Mandalore the Great, then I'm up for that. I think that's fine. Yeah. And the other problem is, is I don't think that, that, um, I think even if Bo-Katan won the, the, the dark saber by combat, I don't even think that she would necessarily be recognized as the true leader of the Mandalorians because she basically already failed once before. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a good point that, yeah, that's interesting. Well, we still have to find out more about like what the great burn is. We don't have answers right. on that. That's fine that we don't have answers on that because you know, we need some more mystery now that Grogu is seemingly on his way. Um, so, okay. Yeah. That that's, yeah, I think that that's an interesting point to bring up. Um, and also, you know, I mean, I guess if we're talking possibilities for future episodes and for, for season three, uh, I would venture Sabine Wren's got to show up, you know, here soon. Uh, yeah, I mean, we know she's, nice. yeah, like she's the head of Lothal now, right? Isn't she like the governess or something of Lothal? Was that well, how she the was, last but, but I mm -hmm. mean, the story was, is that it, it seemed to imply at the end of Rebels that Ahsoka shows up and they were going to go look for Ezra together. Right. They ran off. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, it, I, I think it's another character that you could bring in, uh, and it's a good bet that they're going to, or if not in this, there's another TV show that'll be there that was announced that she might show up in. Of course, right. we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but you know, there's still, I guess there are still some characters really to bring in, to bring to life into live action, uh, that could get people very excited. Um, and uh, again, just a super smart move that, well, I don't know how intentional it was, but I really do think like you were talking about earlier, that people are going back and watching rebels and clone wars now, now that they want to know everything they can about the Mandalorian, you know, uh, and what's happening in that universe. And really that's the only place you can go to get more explanation on it all. Um, so, okay. Well, all of that, I think, uh, I think makes sense. Um, I, you know, I mean, the thing that everybody's really talking about and, and that we might as well get into uh, <laughs> at, at this stage. <laughs> because it doesn't matter in, in for, I think for many people, it really doesn't matter what even happened in the previous seven episodes, what even happened in the previous, anything up to the last 10 minutes of episode eight of the Mandalorian. Um, you know, of course, Grogu in episode six, I think it was Grogu is calling on some Jedi. We don't know who the hell he's he's, you know, signaling to. And there is some mystery as to how exactly the Jedi that does show up uh, ended up found ended up finding Grogu wherever he happened to be. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's been any great explanation on that unless it was like force time or something along those lines. Uh, I mean, the less thought, the less that's thought about, the better. Yeah, um, I was going to say, how much does that really matter? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Ultimately, uh, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, like we, Jedi are able to to reach out and and sense events throughout the galaxy. I mean, like straight from from the first Star Wars movie when uh, Obi Wan Kenobi senses the destruction of Alderaan. You right. know, there's right. the the Force works galactically. You know. So it, to me, it's not a huge issue how Luke finds Grogu. Obviously, a connection was made because even Grogu felt the connection to Luke when he showed up because he's putting his hand on the monitor. 
Right. He feels that, okay, you know, here, here it is. Here's, here's, here's my home. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Here's the one yeah. I've, I've been, you know, calling to. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, my experience, as soon as I saw the X-Wing, I mean, and, you know, we, we, we talked about this, um, that, uh, I mean, I, I was not expecting Luke, even though you laid out a great theory that no, it would be Luke. And or I think we both kind of talked about it where like Luke and Ahsoka eventually meeting is just going to be a really powerful thing. So bringing mm-hmm. Luke into the Mandalorian timeline with, you know, is just lending itself to great drama and, and great stories. Um, so we weren't opposed to Luke. We thought that it made sense that it would be Luke. Um, I was not, I was still very up in the air. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and that it well, could have been Ezra. About, yeah. We talked about Ezra too, you know, yep, so I Cal mean, Kestis. that was, Right. Uh, I mean, you know, you can make arguments for a lot of them. Hell, I even saw s- stories and they're, they're dead wrong, but whatever stories about Mace Windu coming back, um, at this point. And I was like, no, <laughs> that, that, that's just, that, that takes too long to explain. Like you can't, you can't just do that. Um, even though we might talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. Ironically. Uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, as soon as I saw the X-Wing, like I actually, like I grabbed Ellen's hand cause I knew exactly what was happening. You know, mm-hmm. we were watching it together and, and, and I just knew it was going to be Luke, you know, the, the, inst- like there, there's no other, it wouldn't have made sense to have Ezra show up in an X-Wing. It, it, like n- there's no other answer that would have made sense. As soon as you saw the X-Wing, you should instantly know, because I mean that the only other person you could attach that starship to would be wedge Antilles. And that just wouldn't have made any damn sense. Uh, so, uh, you know, th- there was, and, and I mean, you, you stop breathing and, you know, you see the black cloak and you're still not breathing. Cause, and, uh, you know, and the, the lightsaber ignites and it's just, it's on, you, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and I, I think I, I think I cried, uh, <laughs> 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 because, and, and I want to hear your experience of a two rod, but I just want to say this, like, and, and we've said this many, many, many times on TIE fighter renegades, all, all JJ Abrams and Ryan Johnson had to do was give us the, the green lightsaber igniting and Luke kicking some ass. And that's all those movies ever had to do. And people would have walked out of them and they would have been talking about them for the next 50 years and they didn't do it. But they're going to talk about the season two finale for the next 50 years because it's exactly what they did. And the reaction from everybody on the Internet, just about everybody with with few exceptions, was that was fucking amazing. You know, like that was awesome. Uh, and, and it just proved that we were absolutely right, that that's all you had to do. And you're going to make everybody happy because, the, I mean, the, the legend of Luke Skywalker is that goddamn strong. And they did it. Uh, and it was just, it was, it was, it was a phenomenal moment. Uh, absolutely phenomenal moment. But I mean, how about you? What, what was your experience when, you know, when it, when it clicked? I mean, to, to, to quote shout out Mapes from Dune, you know, <laughs> when one has lived with prophecy for so long, the moment of revelation is a shock. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, like the whole time, I, when I see, the X-Wing land, I'm like going, is it him? Is it really him? Like, and it wasn't until like, there's like, there's a specific shot where Luke holds out his hand to like force push a dark trooper and you see the black glove. And like, it's like, oh my God, it's really, really him. Yeah. 
Yeah, then there's there's absolutely no doubt of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just like I said, it was just like it was it was you know as much as we had talked about it being a possibility, you're in a state of disbelief. Yes. Yeah, that that's there. It is that that I mean because you hadn't we hadn't seen that since 1983, not in live yeah. action. No. Uh, so for n- nearly 40 years later. <laughs> you know, for a lot of people for, for that, for that to finally happen, um, uh, that, that is a literal once in a lifetime moment. Um, because you can like the, the, the emotional impact, the, the overall impact of that can only happen when you've had 40 years to wait, you know, for, for it to occur. Well, not only uh, that is when you had, you know, those, those 20 some odd years of novels, comic yeah. books that were all you know basically telling the 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 legend of what Luke Skywalker the Jedi master would become at his height right and to finally see that appear in real life is it is it's a it's a once in a lifetime moment you know like we we've we've lived the the legends of this moment like I said that they just when we've lived with the prophecy of this moment for so long, for so long. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I knew when it would, whenever it would happen and you, we could say it was a no brainer, but I mean, you know, the way that they fucked up Luke, uh, you know, previously or Disney fucked up Luke previously, uh, you know, I don't know how much of a no brainer it was, but before then, I mean, I could even like when, you know, when they recently re-released uh, Jedi Academy, when they released it on the Nintendo switch, the game, um, because Luke is heavily in that. And I still remember a, the chills when I first played Jedi Academy 20 years ago, but like also at that point, like the chills of seeing Luke Skywalker basically at full strength, um, even in a video game was amazing, you know, and, and, and like, and, and you felt it. Go ahead. And just, just as a side note to mention another, another character that could generate a lot of excitement if they were to mm-hmm. bring him back, you know, Kyle Kirtan. Yes. Yeah, you Absolutely. Know, yeah, that that's that's an ace. I mean, uh, as well as Mara Jade, frankly. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's still a few out there that they right. could pull off. Yeah, that would excite people a lot. Uh, yeah. I I I agree with you completely. Um, yeah, but I mean, now the only so I listened back to the soundtrack for season two or the the volume two, which covered this episode of the soundtrack uh, for the Mandalorian. And listening back to the music for that scene, I did hear more of the, you know, the Luke Skywalker theme notes basically in it. I did not hear them so much. Not that I have a great sound system or anything, but I mean, I have a subwoofer, you know, like it's not shit. Um, When I first saw it, I felt like the music was, was very understated. Yes. And it was really a moment that could have you that, that I think it would have been well served with, with some real John Williams bombast. Yeah. Uh, they, they toned it down a bit and yeah, yeah. they they really should have turned it up. Yes. Uh, that's my only, and, and, and again, that's a nitpick because, right. because I mean, you know, again, I'm in tears. You, you, you can't, you can't complain about that, you know, yeah. watching it. Yeah. Uh, and, but, and, and there are there are the other netpicks, but believe me, folks. Yeah, we we understand that the you know the the face wasn't perfect, and sure. Yeah, no, I, you I know hear what? that. I mean that it just it it to me 
like that it didn't detract enough from that sequence where I really cared. And I understand yes. if some people do care, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so so I felt like the music could have been a little bit different. The de-aging thing, I do want to talk about that. There were some criticisms about that. Um, just like the the lack of like exact music that I wanted for the moment, because I was wanting a Return of the Jedi moment, you know? Right, right. Um, and we got just, like 90% of it. Yes, yeah. And, and, and just... <sighs> But just like you said, there it doesn't matter how bad that face looked. Uh, nothing could ruin that, you know, because the, the the action, the motions, all of that were totally right. Um, yeah, I would have loved to him for him to say more too, you know, like that 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 would have been great. Uh, but yeah, I, I had no problem with the de aging technology. I mean, I'm the same guy when when this was kind of first done with Tron uh, with Tron Legacy. Uh, I thought it was brilliant in 2010. Like I, I had no no complaints. I don't care how fake it looked on on Jeff Bridges. It was awesome. Like the, the because yeah. it told the story, right? You know, it, it, and and it and it got the point across, and it did its best to make this as relevant a sequel as it could be to a film from you know 1982 or whatever. Yeah. Um, or and, 1984. And, Go ahead. And I and I won't argue that it could have been done better with sure. with technology we have now. I mean, like people have already gone back and and done um you know a a deep fake training ai with mm-hmm. both jeff bridges and you know tarkin from rogue one right. and even solo and they look phenomenal they do um but the thing is is i don't think people realize is that that is not an instantaneous process yeah and no. i know th- i know that there's a deep fake uh of mark hamill with that luke scene in the mandalorian already out on youtube but i guarantee you that uh whoever did that had probably been training his AI with Mark Hamill's face for a very long time mm-hmm. ahead of even knowing that, you know, Luke was going to be making appearance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and something we do know that uh, multiple studios have been dealing with is that during, you know, COVID-19 um, some, some effect shots are getting finished by computers at home, you know, yeah. by, by the special effects artists. Right. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this, um, there's times where I feel like, yeah, sure. They, they kind of skimped out, but this is one where, Oh, d- don't, don't let a pandemic stop Luke Skywalker. No, no, no. I don't care if the face doesn't look perfect. If it's gotta be finished at home and if it's a little bit of Photoshop work, but it gets the point across, I'm happy with that. Don't yeah. delay this. Yeah. Uh, so that that's okay. Like I, and I can be understanding of that, um, in this case. So yeah, th- I, I agree with you. I don't think people realize the amount of challenge involved, you know, with that and the time that it takes and, right. and, and all yeah, of this. It's, it's, it's not even that, that, um, deep fake technology is really even that challenging or difficult to use. It's just a very mm-hmm. time intensive process. I'm talking about literally weeks, if not months of training the AI to make it look really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know some people or, well, I guess maybe there might've been somewhat of a vocal majority saying, why didn't they just put Sebastian Stan in there? Uh, I think you would have, I think to, to do what they needed to do, which is, and I think Filoni personally, my personal opinion, I think he, he felt like I need to fix Luke Skywalker for the fans. And to do that, I think if you put Sebastian Stan in there, I don't think it would have had the same effect. No. It's fine if they want to put him in later, 
you know, in fact, hell in season three, if, if Luke Skywalker comes back, go ahead, put in a new actor if you want. But the first time back you needed that Luke Skywalker is getting fixed moment. Yes. And it had to be Mark Hamill. It had, I was just going to say it had to be Mark Hamill's voice. Yeah. Yeah. Which they did, which that, and that was the total shock. You know, I mean, Mark essentially misled all of us because he had said multiple times that his star Wars acting days were, were done and over with. And I don't think he was being insincere mm-hmm. when he said that the first time. Um, I, I, I honestly believe that, you know, Dave Filoni convinced him to come back. Well, for you this said that instance. The, yeah. You said this, you yourself said this in the last episode, you said, I bet that Dave Filoni could convince you know, Mark Hamill yeah, to come back. I, he's, he's the one person that I think they could do it. And he yep. did obviously. Yeah. 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 So you, had, you were it, totally right. It had, it had to be, you know, it had to be the right person bringing the offer and it had to be the right script to bring him back. Yeah. And it, it had to be something where, where Mark Hamill wasn't saying, I fundamentally disagree with everything you've decided about my character. You mm-hmm. ha- it had to be where, you know, the man himself, you know, Mark Hamill, you know, reads this and say, you know, that's my Luke Skywalker. Right. And that's what we got. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the reaction really has been just overwhelmingly positive. Uh, everybody, I mean, even the, 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 some of the staunchest critics, there's still people out there that are, you know, just, just can't take a good thing when it comes their way. Yeah. Uh, sadly, there are, pe- there are people that have a hate on for, you know, mm-hmm. Disney and, I get it, but at the same time, you know, you're, 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 you're going down a road that I can't follow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, you know, even people that have been rightfully very highly critical of the sequel trilogy have, you know, come out and said, holy shit, that last episode of Mandalorian, you know, I'm a six year old again. Right. Um, and, and boy, you know, Mark Hamill being as, as cool as he is. That, that tweet of his, <laughs> when he tweeted that Friday, that day, it's, a, it's like, so anything good on TV today, <laughs> man, <laughs> again, you know, like that, that's, I, I, you I always talk about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I always, uh, you know, I hate it when we talk or I always fear the future where people talk about tweets as if like somehow it was an epic event that they had done. Um, but no, that's a tweet that had basically 40 years of history behind it. Um, yeah. that, you know, that's one worth talking about <laughs> and, and you can only do, uh, when it's been that much time between uh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so that was just an amazing moment. I, I really, again, we, we, I know we have nitpicks, you know, or we can make nitpicks about it, but it did what it needed to do. Um, like yeah. that, that last 10 minutes literally saved star Wars, it, not it just for felt, me, but I think a lot of people, it felt right in all of the, the ways that it needed to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, how do you feel about, I mean, basically it seems like we're going to get season three without Grogu. I mean, do you think the show's going to do all right? What, you know, what are your. Now I think I already gave my thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, I, I think we're going to get more about Mandalorians and I think that's what right. the show needs to be. You know, um, love yeah. that. I think one of the, the, the criticisms that I've heard that I somewhat, you know, uh, uh sympathize with is, is that, um, uh, Din Djarin just isn't a very interesting character yet. 
Ah, because all the concentration's been on on right. the child. Right. right. And 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 the child's thing is just being cute. Which yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, I I get it. You know, that that that's that's a valid criticism. So now yeah, now it's time really to to sit down and and really develop the character of Dinjar and find out who he really is. Yeah, yeah, I I I can agree with that. Um, I know some people felt that this is, was kind of anticlimactic for the story arc overall of of Grogu. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't really feel that. Like, no. What What more are you gonna do when Luke Skywalker shows up? Like that. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's the so end what, of any story. What more What more are you gonna do with with the child? Right. You know. I mean. It'll be cool if, you know, maybe we come back in another 10 years and we have, you know, adolescent Yoda. Sure. Instead of baby Yoda. But, sure. you know, yeah, there's only so much you could do with 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 the baby. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you think that Grogu, I mean, and, and you know, speculation, I mean, it's it's pure speculation at this point. Do you think Grogu is going to survive uh the, the little Jedi purge that the, uh, you know, that, that, that Ben Solo is going to go through. That's the question, isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, uh, the, and the only honest answer I can give is, I don't know. I certainly hope so. Yeah. I mean, I, as far as I can tell, Grogu still has the Mandalorian necklace. He still has the mythosaur around his neck. Um, yeah. I think he's still technically a foundling, still technically a Mandalorian. Um, I think it'd be great if, you know, at some point he says, yeah, you know, I'm going back to Mandalore. I'm, I'm going to go, going to go hang with daddy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and he survives the whole thing. You know, right. I think that would be, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, obviously the character of Grogu did, Grogu did not exist, nor was in anybody's mind really, uh, at the time that JJ Abrams was making the force awakens, you know? Uh, so obviously it makes sense why we don't have any reference to him at all whatsoever. Uh, you know, before now. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like it's it, ultimately that that character already, even though it's main shtick is, is that it's cute. Uh, that character's already so big. You, you can't just off it. You you can't just have, no. Kylo Ren, you know, yeah. kill it. And then that's yeah. the end. Yeah. Um, and we still have mysteries to explore around that. You know, we got to find out, well, we're, well, wait, who's, you know, is Yaddle? Is that, is that mommy? You know, like what, what's, yeah. what's the history there? I still think there's well, a lot thinking, more to do with the character. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. It's like, we don't even know how, you know, that species propagates itself. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for all we know, it's, it's, we don't know if it was Yoda and Yaddle. We don't sure, even know how that sexual reproduction. Yeah. Right. I mean, we don't yeah, even know absolutely. how that works for them. So, you know, Good point. And, and, and given the fact that there seems to be so few of them and that they have such a long lifespan, you know, that would maybe indicate that things aren't done through the normal process with that species. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I think that's a fair point. Um, yeah, well, we I think we still have a ton to look forward to uh, with The Mandalorian. I mean, it, it's really, like, that was an awesome ending and very reminiscent of you know basically like season two of rebels where you just had one of the most amazing moments in the finale uh of course between vader and ahsoka right Uh, in that case um it's it's one of those where you know it's a highlight but just like rebels went on with season three and four to to do you know some of its best work or become like the show it was very much meant to be at that point um i think we're running into the same case here with the mandalorian where you know now it's going to become the show that it was ultimately meant to be right Uh, 
It's like, okay, we fixed Star Wars. Now let's 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 take the Mandalorian to the real heights we wanted to go to. Uh, so I'm still very excited. But I mean, I guess I'll ask you, season two. I mean, you know, give me give me your thoughts overall. You know, winner. I I think yeah. that's obvious. But go ahead. Yeah, ten out of ten. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, just uh, everything I have is nitpicks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they even managed to make the the you know. Uh, Bill's bars character, somebody that I liked. Oh. And, and, you know, like I, I didn't like his character in the, the, the season one episode. Didn't like him at all. Yeah. You know, let's talk about that. <laughs> <For a second. laughs> yeah. So, so Bill Barr's character, um, this, this whole episode where, uh, you know, they, they basically have to, whatever, steal a machine that would give them the codes to the location of where Moff Gideon's ship is. Okay. I was amazed as well. Like you said, how, yeah, hated the guy in season one and now season two, it's like, oh no, he's awesome. Like, yeah. like what a great, what a great character. <laughs> right. Um, even though I, I keep having to like remind myself that he's not Joe Pantoliano, but <laughs> 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 because he talks and, and looks very much like him with the ball. Right. Well, I mean, that's the, and that's, that's a bit of a prejudice I have to get over too, because I'm not like a really big fan of like the, the, both the Boston accent. And I guess mm -hmm. you would say like the archetypical, you know, like arrogant Bostonian, like attitude, which is yeah. very much part of his, you know, shtick. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't even familiar with him. I guess he's a comedian or has a yeah. podcast or whatever. And, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't really familiar with him, but he, I mean, what a, uh, show stealing performance. I think that he put in, in that episode. Um, and not only that, I, I don't know. Do we know, like, was Dave Filoni in the military? Um, no, I'm not um, sure. Go ahead. I, well, I, I do know for, I don't know where you're going with this, but I do know fact like, um, that, uh, his casting was actually because of John Favreau and, uh, one of the, the, like the comedy bits that Bill Barr had done before is he was actually making fun of like Star Wars fans. Oh, wow. And so like, you know, then John Favreau approached him and said, you know, I, I, I want you to, you know, you know, to be in the show, the Star Wars show. And like Bill Barr is probably like, like, don't you know that like I have like this, this comedy bit where I make fun of Star Wars fan and, 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 uh, uh, John Favreau is just like, yeah, I think it'd be hilarious to have <laughs> you in it just for that reason. Well, and, and and oddly enough, this is like like I've watched some interviews with 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 Bill Barr later on, and like he's like a genuine Star Wars fan now. Like he like he loves it, and he loves the fans, and he you know appreciates the the enthusiasm and the 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 passion. And so yeah, like you know like I'm I'm on board. Yeah, I guess you could say like yeah, like, I I like the guy, both the actor and the character now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can appreciate that. Well, so what, what makes me, what I think is very curious is that there is a strong pacifist theme, ironically in a thing called star Wars, uh, hmm. that, that particularly shows in Dave Filoni's work, for example, you know, of course, Barisafi, um, even though, I mean, she ended up becoming a terrorist, but she wasn't wrong. 
about what the Jedi were doing, that like right. they had fallen to the dark side for getting right. involved in the war. Um, there is the epic speech that I think Yoda gives to Ezra in Rebels um, about how the Jedi were were wrong and how the concept of winning is like is uh, you know, misnomer. Like it, it's not like, that's not the goal. Um, right. and like there, and then this where, I mean, me, you know, and, and I don't have to make it personal, but I, I can imagine there are a lot, of, a lot of veterans who, you know, as, as I'm one of the U S army, but I mean, you know, I, I can imagine there are a lot of veterans who watched that scene where he blasted the captain right in the chest and said, yeah, man, I wish I could have done that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> where, 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 you know, I could just imagine where he really felt that. I mean, and I was not, not, I mean, I don't suffer from PTSD or anything, but like I was having, uh, for lack of a better term, I was having almost flashbacks when they're driving in with the rhodium, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. when, when him, when him and Din are driving in and, you know, and then like all the troops are saluting them. I mean, fuck that felt right out of like Baghdad you know, for me. And I was amazed at, at how well that was presented or how realistically I should say that that was presented. Um, you know, and they kind of come off as heroes, but then, you know, Bill Barr's character brings it all right, right back to, you know, home and says, you know, this is, and it was awesome that they mentioned operation cinder. Like that was yeah, yeah. deep cut. Um, right. that I know a lot of people are going to need explanation for, and of course they can go read shattered empire and get more of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it was just, it was incredibly realistic and, and really, I mean, for me, it hit home and I can imagine for a lot of other people, it really did, uh, you know, saying like, what the fuck are, you know, all these people died. Why, what was the point to this? Yeah, yeah. And, and that is, especially for star Wars, that is some deep, deep philosophical shit for it to get into, um, that, that I don't think any other show really, I, I, in fact, no, I've never seen anything that has the balls to get into that, not on live action. Uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I wonder if Filoni somehow, because that pacifist element keeps running through his shows. Yeah. Well, um, but, I, I mean, to be, to be fair, it's not just, you know, Dave Filoni. I mean, I think you get a lot of it from sure. George. I mean, yeah, this is George initially said was had the one Yoda say, you know, wars make not one, not great. Yeah, yeah. I, right. I mean, you know, and that was before we knew what, what the Clone Wars were even about. Yeah, and I mean, we do know George Lucas like certainly knows his military history, right? Uh, and he and he intended, you know, Star Wars to be a kind of an anti-war film from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, <sighs> I, I yeah, I, 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 just, I think I think I think Dave just really I think really gets it. I think you know, like Dave really took to heart every every you know, interaction, conversation, lesson that George gave him. Yeah. He, he may be the only one that really understands Star Wars the way the, the creator does. Well, he's, he's really delivering. Um, I mean, Filoni is because, and, and it, that's not the only like powerful message that I feel like has often been strung in, in Filoni's work. I mean, multiple times, uh, in fact, even in this episode, it comes up again, Bill Barr mentions it, but also like in season one, when we first, when Din Djarin, you know, first encounters the, um, uh, the sand people, you know, again, the, the Tuscan Raiders. And he basically says, it's like, you know, like the guy who's going around with them says, oh, you know, these invaders, he's like, no, they think you're the invader. Like they were here first. 
and just this this message of you know respect really for shall we say indigenous peoples and you know what i feel like a, a complete ass i've been fucking up his name this whole time it's bill burr bill burr right yeah okay bill uh, Barr is bar is the yeah yeah, yeah that's that, fine that, yeah <laughs> he ripped on us we got to rip on him for a few minutes <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, well, again, he's not somebody we were really familiar with beforehand. So, but there right, we go. Bill, right. Bill Burr. Um, well, I was familiar with him in just more of like an infamous sort of way. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so, but yeah, th- there have, there have really been some, some deeper subjects brought up uh, like anti-colonialist subjects. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. think that have been there and, and I, I'm just, I love it. I'm glad that it's there because one of the critiques that's easy to make against star Wars is that it doesn't really say anything. Well, Filoni's kind of changing that. Right. Um, and and that's and, an, I'm like, I didn't really, you know, like I think I picked up on some level, but I don't obviously don't have the perspective of someone like yourself with a military background. Mm-hmm. But like, even when they're, they're driving through like, you know, that, that poor village, I mean, that looks like a scene that you could have taken out of any number of a dozen different, you know, Vietnam movies. Sure. Or even like Black Hawk Down or something. I mean, right, you could yeah. get right out of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, I mean, and it, it's like the irony is so thick because, again, like they're getting saluted as heroes as they drive into the to the deep to the Imperial Depot. And it's like, yeah, but you're the bad like. Like they're, they're saluting over like this stupid resource. And then, you know, like, what, like, what's the point of all this? And, right. and, it, and it just, I mean, these are all thoughts that have gone through my head on things. And just to see it in start to see it in any fiction is mind blowing to me, you yeah. know, uh, because yeah. science fiction or even fantasy overall has a real, real problem with uh, many times with uh, military glorification yeah. and even Star Trek falls prey to this. And, and uh, it was just remarkable to, to, you know, to, to see, to see this kind of messaging in it. So I, I got to give season two massive props for, for that episode alone. Um, there's a lot more there than I think people realize. And the one thing that, that I'll give, you know, that you and I both give the last Jedi props for was the character of DJ, which did, yes. you know, served a fairly similar function. Uh, yeah. And, you know, just, unfortunately they threw it all away in the end. Yeah, it became, yeah, like the message was good there. I agree with you. Yeah, like the message of don't join, you know, right, like that. Right. That was awesome. Right, but, and that both sides are basically the same, which is like, you know, like same thing that Bill Burr's character was talking about, you know, while they're they're yeah. doing their drive-through, you know, like, you yeah, know. like This week it's this guy, next week it's this guy. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it is. It's just, it is. It's a war's a racket. It's a bunch of bullshit, you know, like. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's a rare message in my opinion. Uh, and I'm just amazed that it's in something as quote unquote simple, uh, as star Wars. Um, that's, that's really, really mind blowing to me. Um, yeah. And, and boy, you know, real quick, just to mention another cool moment when Dindajarin is contacting Moff Gideon at the end of that episode at, you know, in the hologram and basically quotes back everything that he said that, that Moff Gideon said to him at the end of season one, that was perfect. I mean, that was like a Liam Neeson taken moment. That was so cool. <laughs> there was something else I have to bring up about that particular moment too, where they mm-hmm. do the shot of Gideon's ship. You know, you get a close up shot. That's right. a real model. That is not CGI. Oh. 
Oh no shit. No, I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah. Because there are slight, imp- you like, if you stop it and really look at it, they're like, there are these, unless they CG modeled, like the sort of like slight imperfections and, you know, lines that aren't like compared, you know, completely perpendicular or parallel, like you mm-hmm. see on an actual, like real model. Um, unless they, they did that in 3d, that that's an actual physical model. That's amazing. Wow. Bravo. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually that I'll bring up something else there too. Speaking of Moff Gideon ship, uh, people are, and you know, speculate responsibly, but, uh, people are, are raising questions about the, uh, the female like Lieutenant commander or whatever that is under Moff Gideon mm-hmm. that, yeah. get, that seems to get an, an inordinate amount of camera time, but you never hear her name. Um, there's people suggesting that might be Sabine. And when you look at her, it, there, there, there's a look I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just bringing it up uh you know that that maybe she kind of uh injected herself um you know because if she's on the search for ezra you know uh or or for thrawn and ezra anyway kind of like ahsoka was at the end of rebels uh sabine's on that you know mission as well yeah. ahsoka thought gideon was the key to this yeah. uh or at least that that was kind of the idea. Uh, the only reason I'm go ahead. The, the only reason I'm going to shoot that down is, is you know you think she would have like revealed herself when Bo-Katan shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's fair. Or you think Bo-Katan might have like recognized her? I, right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, interesting thought. I mean, I'm just tossing it out there that people are are you know that's a buzz that's going around, but who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll say season two. I agree with you. Ten out of ten. Uh, I I. I wouldn't really change a thing. Um, everything I think, uh, you know, just, just delivered landed. Um, you got one of the best endings for a, a TV series in history, frankly, uh, remarkable. And we got to bring, we got to talk, we'll talk about this because it leads into our next story. Um, we got a after credit scene or during the credit scene, uh, which included Boba Fett and, um, uh, Fennec, right? Uh, uh, Ming Na's character there, uh, <laughs> taking out um, Bib Fortuna, yeah, and <laughs> which was <laughs> which, which was really cool. How uh, did I was he like, survive? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. But I I thought that was fantastic. I was like, oh, it's that's Bib Fortuna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, I don't know if you noticed this, but the hmm. um, the staff that Bib Fortuna has which we've never seen in live action before. Mm-hmm. But oh, was that inc- what the action figure had? Yes. Ah, I had the action figure. Yeah. yeah okay. So did I. Yeah. And right. somebody pointed that out. I'm like, holy shit, you're not kidding. Like somebody was <laughs> really paying attention. Yeah. That, that, that's cool. That's, that's, that's a deep cut too. I mean, that's, <laughs> that really go, that goes back to 1985. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was uh that was that was a nice touch uh and now so so that whole thing ended with the you know announcement on the screen saying you know coming in december 2021 the book of boba fett yeah um so there was some initially confusion about it whether or not you know the book of boba fett was going to be the mandalorian season three or if it was this whole separate thing but we have finally gotten confirmation from uh, John Favreau, the man himself, that it is going to be its own separate show that appears that uh, airs alongside uh, season three of The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. Um, so th- this is 
this is interesting um, because I feel like maybe they're going to, this is leading to that underworld universe that mm. Star Wars appeared to have been planning before when they were talking about doing a job of the hub movie, right. when they were, you know, going to do more say with Darth Maul or with Maul, um, you know, and so on that, that sort of solo was leading towards, right. you know, um, I mean, well, how, do you, you recall, how do you feel about that? Go if ahead. If you recall, we were supposed to get a Boba Fett movie that was being directed by Josh Trank. Yes. And, right. you know, like, uh, and that was a huge lost opportunity, in my opinion, as was the canceling of the game Star Wars 1313. Right. Because that was also supposed to tell the story of a young adult Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. So I can, you know, I mean, we could speculate what it's, the show is going to be about. Um, it would appear Boba Fett's going to take over the underworld. I mean, it looks like it's exactly what he did yeah. um, just by killing Bib Fortuna himself. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I could imagine there might be a lot of flashbacks. I hope uh, so. I certainly it's do. easy enough to do because yeah. Orson sounds great still. Uh, you know, he still sounds like a clone trooper. <laughs> and so, you know, all you got to do is, uh, you know, is have a guy in, in the armor, you know, that's not, you know, Morrison, um, playing Boba Fett and he can just do the voice and, you know, you, right. you could explore the whole history of Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. And, and people will buy it too, because the Mandalorian's really proven that people don't care if they see Pedro Pascal or not. Uh, so yeah, I, I, they, I'm excited as hell for that show. I mean, that, I think that's going to be an easy winner. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, we're going to talk about more about what's coming up, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting time to be a star Wars fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I guess we should, why don't we go ahead and get into it? Uh, and, and talk about what the, the big announcement that Kathleen Kennedy, uh, big announcements really that Kathleen Kennedy made. Um, though, I mean, it's funny because those announcements were made before, uh, they were made before season two ended, correct? Of the Mandalorian? Like, like, I think it was between episodes, you know, seven and eight that this announcement was made. Yeah. Which is amazing because like, so basically Kathleen Kennedy announced like 10 new shows and, um, you know, in a movie and all this. And then like, you know, all of that was exciting enough. And then you watch the end of Mandalorian season two and like, Oh, actually there's even one more show that we're going right. to get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is, Apparently which is they held it. Yeah. They held it back on purpose because they wanted to, the, the surprise to be, you know, that extra scene. Yeah. That well, end credit scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it totally worked. Um, yeah, I was, uh, well, let, let, let me say this as much as I don't care for any of these streaming services, you know, really fuck these streaming services. And we're, we're going to talk about that too. We'll get into that. Um, <laughs> Disney plus just like, you know, we were talking so much about HBO max and, you know, like their big plans and what they're doing and everything. Uh, Disney plus basically just owned every single fucking streaming service on the planet. I mean, it did. Yeah like why I don't even know why anybody else should bother doing TV. I mean, and and that's not just, I mean, I don't like Marvel, but like, cause they made a ton of Marvel announcements too. Right. You know, and, and star Wars and Marvel are really, you know, uh, at parallel in, in, in popularity. I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah. I mean, Disney plus just got everybody like they, they literally own the entertainment world right now, uh, with, with this announcement. What, What do you say to that, Rob? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's the nerd channel. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this 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 is akin to like, you know, 
back in the day when the sci-fi channel was announced. Yeah. This, yeah. This, this is where it's at. Yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't, I don't like it's, I, I can't even, you know, 20, 10 years ago, I couldn't have even fathomed that somebody would announce 10 star Wars television shows. Yeah. You know, like, I, I mean, I would, I, I would have just, I don't know. I, I, You'd be yeah, serving we, that with a side of cream jeans to me. I mean, that's we, insane. We were we were happy with one. Yeah, right. And and two, like there was there was one one that we were watching, and then a second one announced. And yeah. you know, and and that was like you know, like yeah, that was enough to sell the service. Right. Exactly. I, like I, I'm still hit. My my mind is still having a hard time wrapping around as much Star Wars as Disney has put out there already. You know, ever since 2013. I still can't fathom like 10 star Wars shows. What, what the hell, you know? <laughs> and, and to just like, I mean, that, that was an atomic bomb dropping that, you know, and, and, and it was totally pure strategy for, you know, on Disney's part, because like they, they must've been holding on to this. And the fact that they were able like this, nobody leaked any of this. Like some of these shows, nobody, we knew about some, we knew about bad batch, you know, like, like mm-hmm. some of these things we knew about, right. but, um, but most of these, we had no clue. Uh, and for, I, I mean, oh, there's so much to talk about here. Like, it's almost like they waited for Warner brothers to make their announcement about how, Hey, in 2021, we're going to, you know, uh, release all of our movies on HBO max and in theaters. Yeah. Uh, you know, they waited for that bomb to drop and then they just dropped two of their own. Uh, I mean, like out of nowhere. Um, it, unbelievable. Well, all right, let, let, let's talk about what actually got announced. Um, I don't think it's unironic either that because certainly HBO Warner brothers slash HBO max's biggest announcement was that, you know, wonder woman 84 was going to be dropping on, on Christmas. Right. Um, well then Disney plus comes in and, or Disney comes in and says, yeah. And the next star Wars movie is going to be helmed by none other than Patty Jenkins, uh, you know, and it's going to be star Wars rogue squadron. Uh, I guess, you know, why don't we just break them down show by show or announcement by announcement and let's talk about it. Uh, how do you feel about this rogue squadron movie? What, what are your thoughts? Fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. I- I just granted I was always more of a fan of the X-Wing games than in the Rogue Squadron games. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's still like that's that's a huge part of of the Star Wars franchise. And, you know, sure. anybody like just 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 X-Wings in general is just such a, a huge part of the franchise. Yeah, I mean in the X-Wing <sighs> novels, you know, the Rogue Squadron, right. Race Squadron yeah. novels, yeah. those were huge back in the day. They huge. were. They were, yeah. And um you know, I mean, it's it, it's it's a kind of ironic because, you know, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, you know, like I think a year or two ago was complaining about, you know, how hard it was to make Star Wars movies and we don't have any source material. And the collective Star Wars, you know, fandom rose up from Fuhrer and said, you know, hey, all that <laughs> stuff you called legends is source material. And it's good. <laughs> it's really, really good. And apparently she got the message or somebody at Disney got the message. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think Filoni, uh, I, I, you know, they're not talking about it, but he's got to be so, so behind all of these different ideas. And he's got to be over the moon. I mean, yeah. (laughs) And, and uh, I, and I'm, I, and I've pointed this out before, but I, I'll just, and, and this has never been confirmed and it's just speculation on my part, but I don't think it's un, 
uh, related that uh, um, uh, what's his name is on his way out. Uh, the CEO of Disney. Oh, I, I can't think of his name either. You, yeah. You don't, you don't mean Iger. You mean the, yeah. the or you, oh, you do mean Bob yeah. Iger that, yeah. because he's out, this happens. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. All this stuff, you know, be, because you remember he did that interview with the Star Wars show a while back. Mm-hmm. And his thing was saying was is the next really big thing for Star Wars is going to be the next movie. And he said that was like, that was so important. Right. And, at, you know, now we've got all this. It seems like Disney's doubling down with, with the TV shows. And rightly so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, well, I, 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 this, this, this seems like a major strategy change. And I don't think it's unrelated that BioBiker's out the door. Yeah, um, I find it uh, very interesting that so this movie is going to is supposed to come out in 2023 uh, and there's really no reason for it not to, because, I mean, if, you know, there's lockdowns or anything like that, they'll just put it out on Disney Plus. You know, right. they, they really don't have to lose money on this affair. Um, they again, they have Patty Jenkins. Now, what I also I mean, the two things that I find really interesting about this one is that they say it takes place in some future era in the Star Wars galaxy. So that sounds like it's post, uh, you know, Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And one would argue there's probably not much in the way of Force users here, or at least that's not like a major thrust. Um, right. With the, with you know, with Stackpole's, Michael Stackpole's Rogue, uh, or yeah, well, Rogue Squadron, but X-Wing novels, the Force was also not like a, a major element at any point. Um, unless Luke Skywalker was showing up more or less in those. And so I think this is a winning idea. You're literally getting past the rise of Skywalker and you are steering away from any kind of like, you know, concerns that people might have over a character like, you know, like Ray, right. uh, where like, where do all these force powers come from? You know? Right. Um, so yeah, this is a, just an incredibly smart move. And yeah. I think it's the and, right movie to make. Go ahead. And it also kind of answers some questions because, I mean, the end of Rise of Skywalker definitely let the state of the galaxy in mm-hmm. question. In fact, it's been in that state of question ever since The Force Awakens, where basically the New Republic is dead and gone. And yeah, it's, this it's, would it's, seem to, like, imply that there's something left. You know, like, they, they you know, pick themselves up from the ashes and, you know at least something like an organization like road squadron is still around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, once Hosnian prime was gone, like, you know, everything's up for grabs and it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like more so than, than what rogue squadron is going to take shape as I'm more interested in what villains we're going to be dealing with here. Mm -hmm. Uh, that that's going to be interesting. And there's a part of me that kind of wonders if we're not going to learn more about those villains when we get into the, uh, high Republic, um, stories, you know, that maybe it'll be some kind of like ancient continuation. I think that'd be their smartest move as far as Mm -hmm. creating, I wouldn't create a new villain. I'd create something that you like that has some amount of history because that's the problem with the first order is that like, it was an out of nowhere villain that we had no reason to really understand. Uh, you know, so I, I think that would be the smartest move on their part. Uh, I also think it's a very smart move again to concentrate on space battles because let's be honest, the reason everybody loves rogue one is because that third act 
is the right. best space action we've had since Return of the Jedi. Uh, right. So, you know, if you want to make a whole movie on that, yeah, you've got a winner on your hands because that's what we love. That's what so many love about Star Wars, or it's one of the main many elements we love about Star Wars. Um, so, yeah, Rogue Squadron, I think that this is a winner. 2023 going to be very exciting as far as that goes. Um, want to move on to the other announcements? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, so uh, the other thing we got, uh, of course, we know about the Book of Boba Fett. That was a surprise. We know that Season 3 of The Mandalorian is going to be a thing. We kind of theorized, perhaps, on, on where that would take shape. Uh, I don't think it's going to... It's not supposed to come back, I think, until 2022. Um, but that's fine, because there might be elements of the Book of Boba Fett that would play into that, as far as story-wise. Uh, but now, what they are billing as a spinoff show of The Mandalorian is a limited, I think it's a limited series of uh, Star Wars Ahsoka. So much like you had said, give uh, Rosario Dawson her own show, Rob. You're getting your your dreams coming true, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, the suggestion is, is that it's about her search for, you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And of course, they set that up in, in Mandalorian. Go ahead. Is this a limited series? Because I hadn't heard that yet. For some reason, I thought I had heard that it was going to be a limited series, that it wasn't See, I a thought long that was, run. I thought that was the case with uh, Obi-Wan and Rangers of the New Republic, but I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, so I'm looking at the story, or I have it pulled up on Tech Radar. Link is in the show notes if people want to look it up, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, some of the details on these shows we're still figuring out, yeah. um, you know, to this date of recording. So... Um, but I mean, just to say ahead. the least, I like this is the one I'm 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 most looking forward to. I don't make any bones about it that Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters. Right. And just just the logo for the the show alone says so much. Doesn't it look like World Between Worlds? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. thought the same thing. No one's yeah. saying it, but yes, I agree yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that does make one wonder because if yeah. they're going to go there, uh, hmm, right. <laughs> Well, we what does that mean about the future of Star Wars? We, Go ahead. We still don't know what happened to Ahsoka in between when she left the world worlds, world between worlds and the end of Rebels. Right. Because there was a several year period where, you know, because uh, Ahsoka didn't come back to help Ezra. Right. She was involved in something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, yeah. This is going to probably fill in a lot of interesting uh, story gaps that we don't, you, you know, and I don't know how much Filoni is going to be involved, but, I, you know, his rules but, are that no one touches Ahsoka without his say. And yeah, so, I understand, but, like, you know, like, like the Mandalorian was sort of like his test run on doing live action. Yeah. And basically, this is his baby. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. There's one other show on this list that I might be more excited for, but it, it's certainly not a known quantity. So I don't want to say that so strongly, but we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Um, now, this is one of two spinoff shows that The Mandalorian is getting. The other is Rangers of the New Republic. Uh, this, do you think this is going to be the Cara Dune show? I mean, what, what, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, it kind of says, I mean, like they certainly mm-hmm. sort of set it up when that X-Wing pilot left her the badge. Right. And apparently he's going to be part of the show too, I guess. But well, I'd love to see like, if they're going to bring in Trapper Wolf, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like I- I'm fine with Filoni getting in front of the camera as much yeah. as he wants as well, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> Oh man, you know, <laughs> I keep thinking about him like, cause he's such a character, uh, you know, in real life, 
Right. I, I yeah. feel like he is. He uh, is. And, and like any, all the adulation and everything going on in Star Wars right now, I just always kind of picture him, you know, kind of like just sitting back and going, eh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I thought that'd be good. I, I don't know. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so coy. <laughs> he is. He's, he's hilarious. <laughs> so uh, anyway, if he wants to be in front of this one, I, I'm I'm game. I, I yeah. think it's a, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. You, you do have to do something to build up the New Republic more, I think, to give mm-hmm. meaning to even what happens in the sequel trilogy. Right. Uh, so not this isn't a bad idea. Like, I think this is a show you should do uh, because you, you've got to give the New Republic meaning and 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 maybe it can deliver that. Yeah. Uh, This is is part of that process that I was talking about for us where like, you know, like, you know, some people are talking about like they, we, they need to, to retcon the sequel trilogy to everything. That's, that's never going to happen, folks. The -hmm. best thing we can hope for is, is that they're, they're going to, you know, pick up the pieces and move on with, with what they've got. And this is part of that, in my opinion. Yeah. I, and we talked about this in the last episode of TIE Fighter Renegades too. I mean, it, it, it really, they really did, even with the little things they did in the Mandalorian that hinted at, say, like Snoke, you know, with like the clones right. and everything. Right. Um, they really pulled off where like, okay, no, you just added some color to the sequel trilogy. And now I don't have so much negative connotation. So a lot of the, you do enough of these little things and the world can become bigger than the sequel trilogy itself. And then you can kind of accept it a little bit better. Right. Um, I don't see, I'll tell you, I, I never see the sequel trilogy getting the like renewed acceptance that the prequel trilogy has gotten as late. I just can't picture that ever happening because the sequel trilogy are just shitty movies. Uh, you know, but they certainly, yeah. I think the, what happens in them can be accepted as canon as more builds around it, you know? Right. Right. Um, want to move on to the next? Yeah. All right. So, next- Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Okay. So yeah, next show on the list, Obi-Wan. Uh yeah. this is one we've been excited for for a while. Certainly, this is going to be a limited run. Right. Um, but you know, kind of the big news that came out about this is that Hayden Christensen is going to reprise the role of Darth Vader. Right. Um, which I say go for it, boy. Like, why not? You know, he did don the suit. Uh, Mm -hmm. even though I think it was in stilts, he did don the suit in episode three. I remember when they made a big deal about that. Um, I'm just glad this guy's getting work and you know, what the hell? And if it's going to allow for some flashback scenes, I mean, we saw him, he was at the last celebration, wasn't he? Hayden Christensen. He didn't look that different. Like he's kind of like a DiCaprio where I think he's kind of the ageless man. And, uh, so what the hell, you know, if we can get some, some more of, of him as Anakin, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, same here. Yeah, so this this should be what's her name? Uh, Deborah Deborah Chow. Deborah Chow. Yeah, right. so, yeah, and she she directed some of the best episodes of season one of The Mandalorian. Correct. Yeah, uh, I mean, like she she actually really knocked it right out of the park. So right. I expect great things for for Obi Wan as well. Um, I mean, that, that's another really impressive thing about this announcement is that it is touching on multiple eras within Star Wars. Really, all of them. Uh, it seems that w- that we're getting here, uh, and, uh, well, anyway, you know, everybody's talking about that. Well, if Hayden Christensen's coming back as, back as Darth Vader, that means we're going to get more moments between, uh, which is something that people had speculated on over the years that, that there were previous moments to a new hope where Vader and Kenobi, uh, you know, met again, uh, and looks like we might get that. We'll see. 
how, how do you feel about that, Rob? Do you think that that's kind of insulting to the moments in a new hope, or do you think it just adds to, uh, adds to the mythos? It's too early to say. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm reserving judgment. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, we got to see how they execute it, but Deborah Chow's the right hands, I think, for right now. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. Um, so the next show on the list, of course, is Cassie and Andor, which uh, you had mentioned you were very excited about in uh, the last episode that we recorded, Rob. Um, this, of course, is a prequel, more or less, to Rogue One. Um, you know, it's coming along. I'm glad it's still in production. I'm glad that they're they're on top of it. I, yeah. do, I think this is another one, though, that's a limited series where it's only 12 episodes. Yeah, I think so too. In fact, they recently released like a, a like a what they call it, like a sizzle reel or something. Um, yeah, a lot of it was just kind of like stuff from uh, from Rogue One, but they did show some behind the sets, behind the scenes, sort of like they're mm-hmm. building the sets and whatnot. And it seems like they're pouring a lot of money into this show. So it's, it. I mean, like I, I was excited to before. And I would say, like, some of these new new announcements I'm more excited about than Andor, but, like, this this show I don't think is going to be anything to sneeze at. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, it's going to be Rebel Alliance action, which I think a lot of people really want. Uh, and so that'll work. Um, I really can't get over the – because we have a logo now for the show. Um, and, I don't know, I'll, I just keep seeing Quake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was – that was one of the logos that we would see on some of the rebel pilot helmets, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's another version of the, what do they call it? The it's like, starboard. The Phoenix, but the yeah. starboard. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's fine. But it just instantly, when I saw it, I was like, what is this quake? What are we doing? <laughs> but it, it, it works. Uh, can't, um, un- can't unsee now. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but you know, good times. I, I'm looking forward to Andor as well. I think that should be a fun show. Um, So here's now the next one, Star Wars Visions. So let me read the description of this. This series of short films on Disney Plus will be composed of anime-style episodes made by acclaimed Japanese creators. This should result in a bunch of fresh new angles on the Star Wars universe, similar, we suppose, to the Animatrix or Halo Legends. Uh, I think their mention of the Animatrix is not unprecedented because we know we're getting the Matrix 4 this year, but... I, I thought that was odd that they would mention it regardless. Um, I'm intrigued to see what this is going to do, uh, what, what this could look like. I have, I don't think anybody can imagine what it's going to actually be. Uh, mm-hmm. so this one's probably the biggest mystery of the bunch. Right. Uh, but I'll, I'll take some, some anime star Wars. I'm all for that. How about you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I, I think of all of them, this is probably going to be the most mixed bag. Yeah. Yeah. It could be touch and go, but if it's going to yeah. let, I mean, you know, if it's more of a prestige project, which I assume that it is, uh, you know, we might get some really interesting themes in this, you know, some, some interesting subjects might come up. Um, I hope it's not all, you know, style and like that. There's actually some point to a lot of the stories, which is generally what can happen with great anime. Right. Uh, even if people in the West can't get it, but, or, you know, understand it, what, what's going on. Um, the next show. So the next show, this is the one that I want to say I'm the most interested in. Uh, and that is the acolyte. Uh, so we know that it is taking place, uh, towards the end of the high Republic era, which the first books and stories of that, actually the latest issue of star Wars insider, they've started reinserting Canon short stories into it. Uh, original Canon short stories. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. So the December issue of star Wars insider actually has the very first fiction, uh, that takes place in the high Republic. 
Um, I have the issue. I have not read it yet. Uh, I will be, that'll be some of my, my calendar reading, but I, I will get that in. Um, so I'm intrigued, but this show appears to be about the dark side and that's what's got me interested. You know, I am on board with that. Right. Uh, not only that, but it's also female centric, female centric dark side. I'm sold. Like I'm, I'm really fucking sold on that, uh, that notion alone. So I would, uh, this is the one that I think I'm, I'm kind of low key, the most excited about. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Rob, what do you got for thoughts on this one? Yeah. I mean, it looks interesting. Um, you know, the, the name certainly seems to imply, what is it? The, the acolytes of the beyond or something. Right. Um, which, yeah. Are part of like the sequel trilogy mythos a bit. Chuck Wendig wrote right. about them. Um, right. Yeah. If it's going to lead towards them. And, right. But if, well, it, if but, but if it's, if it's taking notes from stuff like the lost tribe of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, great, great little short story series that ended up getting collected as a whole novel, The Lost right. Tribe of the Sith. That was awesome. Yeah, um, yeah they did a I comic mean, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like that's the thing is that, you know, if the Acolytes of the Beyond end up becoming sort of like this long running big bad, kind of like the Shadows and Babylon 5 or something mm -hmm. that are always behind the scenes, I, I, I'm I, there. Like, I, I think that'd be great. Uh, or if it has to do with the Sith Eternal, that works for me too. You know, however that that takes shape, I'm excited for this one. Um, the next one, this is one where we probably saw the most of it, but we also had knew the most about it before the announcement, that being the bad batch, um, the sizzle reel for it did show a lot of footage. Uh, we got to see some Tarkin in it and that I was surprised cause I was expecting this to take place more during the clone wars, but actually it's, uh, it's taking place like during the empire. So yeah. well, it these, seems like to be taking place particularly during like the transition to the Empire, right? Because right. we during, don't like, just Rebel see Day. Tarkin. Yeah, we don't just see Tarkin, but we see Palpatine. You know, like giving his announcement about the formation of the Empire. Yeah, yeah. So this show just got when initially I was like, eh, it got instantly more interesting as soon as I saw that sizzle reel. Like as soon as I saw Tarkin being involved. And the era that it was really going to take place in, I'm like, okay, this isn't just going to be some kind of like a team ripoff or comedy. This is going to deal in an era and have characters in it that I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Uh, so uh, very excited about this one. When before I could have took or leave it, you know, like I right, really didn't yeah. care. Because those, those bad batch episodes they did during the, the last season of the clone wars weren't exactly my favorite episodes of that season. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they could turn this around and turn it into something really cool. Yeah, I mean, also in this is a real uh, Fennec was in it. You know, Ming Nas. Yeah, yeah. She showed up a couple times, right? Right. And I'm I'm dying to learn more about that character. You know, actually, this is something that I felt like. Yeah, all right, real quick, season two Mandalorian. When she like opens up her stomach mm -hmm. and shows that she's like part droid, I guess. I really need to know more about that. Like that. Yeah. That's, that was weird. <laughs> that just didn't work for me. I'm like, well, no. wait, like you didn't have a, you don't have a stomach. Do you eat? Like, I, I don't, I was kind of lost. Yeah. It seemed sort yeah. of throwaway. I don't know. Yeah. So, well, anyway, maybe we'll find out more, uh, but it, it'll be good to get more background on that character, uh, as well in this. Uh, so that certainly looks exciting. Um, even though, again, like I said before, I didn't think so at all. So the Lando show, uh, this is one we also kind of knew about ahead of time. Uh, I think that there's still debate whether or not Donald Glover is rep reprising his role, even though the footage they were showing was all of him. 
Um, I know this is getting made by the writer behind Dear White People, which was on Netflix. Uh, admittedly, so I, I'm familiar with that show. I've watched it. I kind of feel like, like initially I was worried this was going to be a show about the Battle of Tanab. And as we've said before, I really never need to see that. Uh, I kind of feel like that's that's not what this is going to be about, but I might be surprised. Uh, I, d- I don't know. Um, we know this one is going to be a mini series. They're calling it an event series. Um, any thoughts for this one, Rob? You know, at first this was like the one I was least excited about, Uh but then somebody made a suggestion that like, if they did this, it would be really cool if they actually not only brought in, uh, Donald Glover, but they brought in, uh, Billy D Williams and sort of did like the young adventures of Indiana Jones. Oh, the Indiana Jones Chronicles. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where the older Lando is telling his stories about the past. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yep. I'd be good for that. Um, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are kind of wondering, Hey, are we going to get Alden Ehrenreich back as Han Solo? Uh, me, you know, if they do it, whatever, it's fine. Like he exists. It's a thing. Why not use him? Uh, how about you, Rob? Eh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm still, you know, talking, speaking of deep fakes, I'm still waiting for somebody to put together a fan cut of somebody deep faking, not only, uh, Harrison Ford's face into all of solo, but his voice too. Oh yeah. 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 That, that would be fun. (laughs) It's going to happen someday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. Um, yeah, well, we'll we'll see how how that goes. Uh, yeah, yeah, and but yeah, same. Uh, I could, you know, based on what you're saying, like that could be really cool if they did bring in Billy D. Williams in some fashion. That, uh, that I'd would, certainly be more excited. Yeah, that would sell the show for me, basically. To be right. to be perfectly honest with you, because like I mean, well, I didn't object to Donald Glover's performance in Solo. It wasn't exactly well. Nothing about my that movie was my favorite thing. Except for maybe the, um, the, the villain. Oh yeah. 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 Good point. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with they, you. On, if, if they brought her back, then, then that'd be cool. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So mine is getting the Khaleesi back. Uh, no. <laughs> oh no. I was talking about the, um, the, um, the, the rebel care. What's her name? The one with the mask. One with the mask. Remember that stole the shipment that they were trying to hijack? Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. The, <laughs> for some reason, yeah. I was going to say rooster, but that's not, that's not it. I know what you mean. I, I know yeah. you're talking yeah. about. Shit. I Let know. me look it up. I'm going to edit having... this. Let me look it up. <laughs> oh, no, I know it. I know it before I even typed it. Enfys Nest. Enfys Nest. Yes, yes. Yeah, I like Enfys Nest. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so. Okay. Yeah. If, if it's going to include some of that action, yeah, that's cool. All right. I'm with you there. Uh, I thought maybe you meant, what was it? What was it? Kira? Was that her name that they went yeah, with? Yeah. No, I could, I could take or leave her too. Uh, you sure. Know, um, I, you know, I, I, I still think the, uh, we probably deserve something with her and Darth Maul at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it were animated, I'd, I'd be, I'd be down with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, let's shift in then to the movie announcements. Of course, we already talked about Rogue Squadron. That is going to be the next film in 2023. But speaking of animated, um, we are getting a movie called A Droid Story um, that is being done by ILM and Lucasfilm Animation. 
Uh, it will feature R2-D2 and C-3PO along with some other new hero. And that's really all that we know. Uh, I mean, if Mongo Bayo Bob shows up, sure, um, let's do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> if they want to just rehash the droids cartoon, that's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just a weird announcement. I don't know what the yeah. hell they're going to do. I don't know what it's about, but I mean, there's all things, kinds of things to do. I was just thinking the other day how like, you know, um, we still don't even really know where C-3PO came from because Anakin basically just rebuilt him. Oh, that's interesting. See, I always took it as that he built him from scratch. No, because he already had a personality and everything like, you know, hmm. Because I mean, the, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but like it, the way I understand the, the the droids in the Star Wars universe function is they don't start developing a personality until they've like been in service for a little while. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I agree with you on that. That that's very interesting. I mean, if anything, the history of R2D2 needs to be known better. I mean, we know right. he was in service for Naboo, uh, right. but that's about all we know. Uh, yeah, I mean, as long as we don't really end up with, um, you know, force-powered droids, but mm. okay. Yeah, less That's fine. Said about that, the better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that's a mystery. We'll find out what, you know, what that show ends up being, but, uh, it will probably be a pretty interesting technical experiment, uh, as far as what the animation is going to look like. Uh, mm -hmm. so I'm intrigued for that. Most of all, uh, then the last announcement we've got is of course, uh, Taika Waititi's, uh, star Wars movie, um, that is in production. I don't think we know much of anything about that. He did a, he did great work with, uh, with the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm confident that this is going to be something really interesting. He's one of those guys that I look at, even though I know he's known more for his comedy. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a hardcore fan, um, oh, yeah. because he's just too much of a dork. And I say that in a good way. Right. So yeah, I'm excited for whatever he's got planned. I, I think that should be, that should be interesting. Um, but that's, you know, that's one we already knew about, uh, but right. that wraps or go ahead. Well, they did. They did show off a, a, a kind of a logo for mm -hmm. the movie, and it had like shades of Ben Hur. Interesting. You know, the way, yeah, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's basically. I think I might has, have missed that. It has the Star Wars logo, and it looks like it's cut out of stone, and it looks like you know the 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 title poster for the Ben Hur. Wow. Well, I'd be game for that. Uh, I mean, if they want to make a pod racing film, I'm, I'm not opposed. Because uh, <laughs> that's really what, what, what the whole pod racing scene copy right, yeah. was, was basically the, uh, the chariot race in, in Ben-Hur, right. uh, which, you know, one of the greatest movies ever made. So, you know, why not copy it? But, um, wow. Okay. Well, we will, uh, we will certainly be keeping, you know, that, that one just got a little more interesting based on what you had just shared. Um, yeah, but that's our wrap up. I mean, I, I assume you also feel good about the, the, the Taika Waititi uh, film overall. Yeah. I'm, I mean, we don't really know much about it at this point, so there's not much to right. talk about other than, you know, the, the director himself and what I just mentioned with the logo. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm really interested to find out what time period it's going to be in. I mean, that seems to be like, you know, the, the, the big thing with a lot of these projects is, is, is when they're taking place. And uh, we do have, you know, the Rogue Squadron movie that seems to be moving things forward. Right. Um, I actually kind of hope that, you know, Taika does do a movie in that same time forward or even further forward, like way in the future. 
Well, what if, think, so you just, go ahead. I, I, I'm just saying that I think that would be really interesting. Yeah. So you shared, you just shared the, that logo with me and I'm looking at it now. I mean, what if, and you know, there, there's things that are interesting that weren't discussed here and we need to talk about those for a minute too, but there is the, you know, Kathleen Kennedy said, we're going to do something Knights of the old Republic. Um, now I look at the star Wars logo and it kind of says ancient to me. And, and yeah. so I wonder if this is going to be that Knights of the old Republic thing. Uh, because that was not talked about during this, uh, during this whole announcement. And it's not like they didn't retrace announcements that were already made. They did. So why leave that one out? Um, I thought that, I think that's kind of an odd omission. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Either far past or far future. I'm good with both. Uh, I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, in fact, when we were off air, you brought this up and I thought this was actually a really, uh, a brilliant thing for you to mention. There was no discussion whatsoever of the ruined Johnson. I'm sorry, Ryan Johnson uh, uh, trilogy that everybody was so fucking hot about. Uh, no mention whatsoever of the Ryan Johnson trilogy. And this would have been the perfect moment to mention that, but they completely overstepped it, you know, didn't bring it up at all. Yeah. What are your thoughts about this, Rob? I mean, we, we've been told about what, uh, 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 how, this trilogy of Ryan Johnson's was supposed to like, you know, vindicate his vision of star Wars and how great right. the last Jedi is and what horrible people we are for not liking it. Um, <laughs> I've even been told that, you know, like the, the, the version of star Wars there that we're getting now with the Mandalorian doesn't exist to avenge this version of star Wars that we don't like in the, the sequel trilogy. But, you know, it doesn't really need avenging because um, where is it? Right. Where, where is the Ryan Johnson trilogy? I, yeah. I don't hear about it. I don't see it. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this whole announcement completely sidestepped the sequel trilogy. There is no talk of anything related. There are no characters involved. I mean, there's tons of characters from The Mandalorian getting their own damn shows, you know? This, there's, there's not a stitch of that here. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Like yeah. what needs to be avenged? It's already and, dead. And, and interestingly enough, I mean, when Disney took over star Wars, it seemed initially that the prequels were, you know, uh, uh, the redheaded stepchild of the, the, this, the, the franchise. Right. And Disney would not talk about them and would not, you know, do anything that connected to the clone wars or, to the prequel trilogy. Uh, and now it seems very much that the sequel trilogy is getting the same treatment. Yeah. And the prequel trilogy is not so much getting ignored. No, I mean, not look, at we're, all. We're getting Ewan McGregor. We're getting, you know, a direct sequel to clone wars. I mean, a very direct sequel, even more so than rebels. Um, and all of that is getting connected to the Mandalorian. I mean, so it would seem that Disney considers their two successful aspects of star Wars minus the original trilogy is the prequels and the Mandalorian. That's yeah. Star Wars success, according to these announcements. Um, and of course, they're banking on the High Republic, which that remains to be seen. But I'm I'm opt I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Which is closer uh, to the prequels than anything else in the franchise right now. That's canon. precisely. Yes. Yeah. And there are no expectations. You know, I don't need to see Luke Skywalker in the High Republic. Obviously, it wouldn't even make sense. You know, as to where that's a major part of what fucked up in the sequel trilogy. So. 
Yeah, I mean, all of this gives me, you know, the, the I get the nice warm fuzzies about Star Wars, frankly. <laughs> 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 like I, I'm, and and it's remarkable because you know if you asked me like I don't know, just a few months ago, or, or should I say about a year ago, you know, like do I think I could have been this excited about Star Wars again? I would have told you, you know, not a chance. Like nothing could make me this excited about Star Wars again. But with yeah. all of this. Oh no no no! I mean, I'm I'm white hot as far as as far as Star Wars goes. Do you think this would have hit as well without the season finale of The Mandalorian? I mean, it it, it you know again it got announced beforehand, it, right? But shortly before, like yeah, just shortly, like, yeah, just shortly before, like you, you like I said, like my my description initially was this is this was a barrage of Star Wars yeah. news. Um, and my my initial feeling when I heard all these announcements was kind of excited, but at the same time a, a little like trepidatious. Like, is this too much? Mm-hmm. And then Star Wars made me feel like I was six years old again. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I would not have been as excited uh, if it wasn't for that that season finale of The Mandalorian. Because I mean, well, we said it earlier. They, they fixed Star Wars. Like they li- in 10 minutes, they literally fixed Star Wars, like just like that. And, and so now everything that gets announced about Star Wars, there's excitement instead of begrudgement, uh, again. And yeah, so I, I think you're totally right about that. And, and it's interesting to note, I mean, cause again, they, they announced a bunch of Marvel stuff at this time as well. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it. And I think that more people were talking about all the Marvel things initially. And then, yeah, that Mandalorian finale dropped and then everybody was just talking about, and holy shit, we're going to get more. Well, it wasn't just, it wasn't just Marvel and star Wars too, either. I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. there's some other things of note here, like Indiana Jones and Willow and yeah, the Willow series. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's Lucasfilm. Yeah. Right. But I mean, when's the last time anybody talked about that at all? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boy, yeah. Well, as as that gets closer, that's something I want to talk about. Uh, the, the the Willow TV series. We don't have to do it now, but when we get some more details, um, I'm curious because I mean, a lot of people don't know that that movie had sequel books, um, right? And they were very good. Like they they were actually, I, in fact, I'd argue they were great. Uh, so, you know, I I, I have thoughts about this. Yeah, weren't <laughs> you know, they? Where, they were ahead. they were they were books that George Lucas co-wrote too, weren't they? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's something worth discussing and we will, uh, on TIE fighter renegades in the future, especially, I mean, because it is like the, it's talk about a bastard stepchild in Lucasfilm. <laughs> Willow <laughs> is one of those between that and Howard the duck. And I was uh, <laughs> just going to say that you took the words right out of my mouth, <laughs> <laughs> which we won't talk about Howard the duck right now, but <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, so, well, anyway, that, that's going to be interesting too. Uh, it really was a barrage. And again, even just with the star Wars stuff alone, um, who cares about Netflix? Who cares about HBO max? Who cares about Yeah, I mean, like, like Disney just, just took it over. Now they have to deliver on all this, yeah. you know, like, like that's some of this thing. stuff is still in very early production. They still have to deliver, uh, but we know they can deliver if they want to. And that's what, like you said, that's what the finale of Mandalorian, you know, really, really drove home. Right. So they gave us us the possibility of, of, you know, having confidence. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, it was, I, I, 
undoubtedly this was all done, you know, in a calculated way on purpose. And, you know, like, got to give it to them. They're very shrewd. Yeah, no, this, this was, this was tremendous showmanship and strategy, uh, on, on their part. Um, and I mean, I'm amazed they had Kathleen Kennedy doing the announcing. I mean, if Dave Filoni was up there doing the announcement, I think it would even went bigger, but yeah, yeah. And this is just, just, I mean, I, I don't care either way, but this does further cement the fact that you guys, Kathleen Kennedy's not going anywhere. Right. Get over it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and if behind the scenes, like Filoni's behind half these shows anyway, who cares? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, right. Right. It'll well, be and, fine. And, and, and like I said, I think that, I think the really, the real villain of, of the star Wars, Disney star Wars, the whole time really has been Bob Iger and he's yeah. on his way out the door. And I think it, I, I'll say it again. I don't think it's a coincidence that all this stuff is happening at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and speaking of, I mean, we've talked about how like, how Filoni has been groomed to take over star Wars or has been, you know, being even more groomed. Um, a part of me wonders if John Favreau is being groomed to take over Disney at some point, uh, because he's been, yeah. Cause he's been spearheading like with lion King and I mean, his tremendous work and really I'll give credit where it's due his tremendous work with Marvel, uh, you know, with iron man and so on. Um, he, he's like the only guy that has his finger in every single pie at Disney, uh, and that gets it and mm-hmm. has the talent. Like I, I could see that I could see five, you know, five, 10 years from now that he's basically in Bob Iger's position. And that's only, in my opinion, that's a good thing because Favreau yeah. has respect for if, the greats. If he Go wants ahead. it. Yeah. Oh, mean, uh-huh. yeah. If he wants it, I, yeah. I kind of have my doubts as whether or not he would want to be operating at that level. Yeah. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I, I can't wait for a lot more making specials around the Mandalorian because I want to see what his like real position looked like. I know mm-hmm. we've had some, but I, I want to see like really nitty gritty stuff. Yeah. Uh, but because he spent, he's really, and you can tell from interviews that he's done, he's really interested, much like George Lucas, in forwarding technologies in movie right. making. Right. And that's and that's the hard why I have a hard time seeing him in a Bob Iger position mm-hmm. is because. He's wanting to get, he wants to be involved directly in the creative process. He wants to be creating, he wants to be there forwarding the technology and right. be involved in the storytelling. And I don't know that you're really, it's kind of like promoting, you know, uh, Captain Kirk to Admiral. That was a mistake. Oh, yeah. That's a good, that's a good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, sorry, John Favreau, your your first best destiny. <laughs> yes. It's yes. to be behind the camera, not the right. desk. Right. Yeah. I yeah, I could hear that. Um, well, that I wonder. Uh, I mean, admittedly, if there's any guy I'd want running all of these disparate universes, it'd be him. Um, you know, like let 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 Feige run Marvel, let Filoni run Star Wars, you know, and so I just, on. I just and then above him get, is him. I just wish we could get Hollywood back to the day where the business people ran the business and the creative people did the creative stuff and they didn't really, you know, get in each other's way as much. Right. Right. You, yeah. You didn't have bean counters getting involved. I, yeah. I, I hear that it, it's, you know, the thing is, is that you have to, and, and you know, actually maybe the Mandalorian opened this door up because my, in my opinion, what happened was, is that, when, when a new hope came out, when star Wars came out in 77, 
it, it was, I mean, again, they only gave him like nine to $10 million. That's all they gave George Lucas to make it. That's chump change. Right. And, but he ended up making, you know, the percentage returns on that were astronomical and nobody expected that. And once it happened, basically the business guys were just like, what do we have for science fiction? You know, right. and, and, and you can, you can see this parallel running of history in the, you know, in the creation of like Star Trek phase two and what would eventually be the motion picture. And so basically for like, I, I feel like for about 15 or 20 years or so, Hollywood was just trying to recreate that astronomical ROI that they, that, that Fox got yeah. with star Wars. Well, I mean, it, it definitely changed the industry. And I've said this before that star Wars, the original star Wars, the first movie mm -hmm. could have only been made at the time it was when the old studio system had basically collapsed right. and creative people were given free reign, free reign people, you know, like, uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola yep. and, you know, uh, uh, the, I'm sorry, I can't remember the director of the Godfather and, um, Scorsese, oh, like Scorsese yeah, Scorsese, yeah, sure. like all yeah. those guys. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah. And that's the thing is, this is like when, when the bean counters saw the fruits of those people's labor, then that's when like the industry changed again and they started getting involved. But we need to get back to that time before, and that that brilliant period of creative outburst where the, the the artists were given free reign to make the movies they want. Yeah, see, see, that's that's the thing. And that's why, actually, I think The Mandalorian might be it. Because, yeah, basically, the studios didn't understand, the business people didn't understand Star Wars. Like, they didn't realize what they had on their hands. Right. Um, and when it popped, they re they had a moment of self-realization, I think where they said, okay, we don't understand, but people seem to love this shit. So let's just throw money, you know, at any wacky right. idea. Yeah, I mean, and that's they, why they, we got 20 years of the greatest movies ever made because like the, the studios or, you know, the business people didn't need to understand. They didn't want to understand. They were just throwing risky money around. Right. And we need that. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what we're saying here is that we need to do that again. And I don't think they expected the Mandalorian to be as big as it was. And now they're like, well, wait a minute, these guys understand. And everybody's talking about this. Let's just throw dumb money around. Mm -hmm. And we want that. We want the dumb money to get thrown around again right. and just let people make the movie, you know, make the, the crazy shit they want to make. So yeah. I, or, did you have more up? No, no. I'm like, I'm just going on that same point. It's just like, it, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate. Like, like there, there needs to be like a, a, there would, there was, there feels like there was an unwritten agreement that, you know, the creative people know what they're doing or, 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 you know, and, and the, the people in the, with, with, with the money know how to exploit it. Like mm -hmm. there has to be that agreement that yes, you know, the creative people are being exploited for their, for their talents to a certain degree. You know, we give you what you want and we get what we want, you know, Right. And that's that message is somewhere has become mixed up and wires got crossed and every exec thinks they're creative and every creative thinks they're an exec. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I know we, we have other things we want to get into, but like this, this might, ironically, I kind of feel like this might bolster the idea that Favreau would actually become head of Disney just in that, I wonder if what he's doing is, is he is trying to make technologies that make that, that offset the budgetary concerns, mm -hmm. meaning that 
He's making the technologies that will let the creators be ridiculously creative at an exceptionally low cost that the, you know, the shareholders, the investors and whoever else in the foreign money, uh, you know, will say, okay, no, we can take that risk. And, and right. it becomes possible to do that right. again because those risks are what build out these universes, you right. know, uh, that, that ultimately later make a, you know, an ass ton of money. You know, it's, it's interesting on another level with the technology thing and, and Favreau is, is like, you know, he's bringing back, like we were talking about with the model making and stuff mm -hmm. and the motion control and stuff like that. You know, there was another revolution that happened back in the nineties with uh, Jurassic park. And right. once the C, you know, the Hollywood got the CGI bug Everything had to be CGI, whether or not it was cost effective or not. And right. I think this really brings home the point that CGI has its place. But, you know, if if practical effects and model work are what the job calls for and it is the more because it isn't always the, the, the CGI isn't always the cheapest option. Right. It's, it's really expensive. Right. So if you can do it better and you can do it cheaper with, with practical effects and model work, then do it, you know, don't yeah. abandon the old technology just because it's old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and that, that says so much cause I feel like Favreau is basically like he's rebuilding the entire Hollywood economy to where like you have multiple different types of businesses that could exist. Cause I mean, model makers or like even, I don't know, stop motion photography, like lots of things just died the day Jurassic park came out. I mean, they, they were just, they well, were off. Yeah. You, I mean, they, they, they started dying. I mean, it's almost kind of like with, with the, the print industry is going through now. Right. And has been for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's still, there, there are still magazines that get printed. There are still newspapers yep. around, but it's a dying breed. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's worth pointing out that, uh, episode, uh, star Wars episode one, the Phantom Menace had, more model work than actually uh, any movie of its time. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope that this is happening, that, that the shift is coming back to where either the dumb money can, can come in again, you know, and, and fund the really creative projects and, you know, like take the, or I should not the dumb money, but the risky money, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and there'll be less risk averse. I mean, if you look at Marvel, it does not appear that that's happening, but with star Wars, maybe it is because some of these shows that we talked about that are coming like visions and so on. I mean, like these are risky projects, uh, or at least they sound like it. Yeah. Um, and they definitely seem kind of like in a ways a little bit off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope it's happening. I really hope it's happening because you know, the other, in fact, I was having a conversation the other day. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't realize, you know, some people like look at European cinema and they're always like, you know, and people that are into European cinema are really passionate about it because they are, there's a lot of weird films that get made over there, like wild, strange, strange films that, that just don't make any damn sense, you know, or even movies that may not, may not have landed so well in America, say like even like a Highlander or something like that are huge over there because they just love these weird ass films. And a lot of weird films were um, a lot. I don't think people realize that in Europe, especially for a good chunk of the 20th century, most of the cinema there was state funded. Like right. it, it was, it was, it, it was countries all kind of like Italy and Britain and, you know, sure they weren't, you know, or Spain, they weren't fighting the hundred years war anymore, but they were fighting a culture war with, with their, their entertainment. Mm -hmm. And the state was literally funding all of this, 
you know, uh, I mean, and this is true in, I mean, not again, this isn't just Britain, it's most European countries. And so you got to get these, these wacky ass films because the state doesn't fucking care where the money comes from. They're just going to take more of your taxes. You know, like it, it doesn't matter to them. It's not, they're not expecting an ROI. They were just trying to outperform each other, but I don't want things to go that way to where the state's got to fucking fund these films. I mean, in many ways it kind of already does with, you know, cuts that you get in military, uh, uh hardware, right. But, but regardless, you know, I, I really like, I hope Favreau is with his technological advances, like the tank that were used in the Mandalorian and so on, that it does get things to where they can be more cost effective and risky money can really reenter the fold. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, the more we talk about it, the more I feel like the Mandalorian really might be a, a very real Trojan horse for creative uh, uh, film and TV to come back because it's, it hasn't been around for a while. Yeah. So. <laughs> but anyway um you want to shift gears rob yeah yeah I, we've, we've been running another long one here <laughs> rob and i were looking at the show notes earlier and we're just like oh yeah this, this maybe the show will go about an hour or so and, and, and no <laughs> yeah yeah i i was kind of shaking my head at that when you mentioned that too i'm like yeah. uh-huh sure yeah right <laughs> i say that every time yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, we will, uh, we'll shift a little bit away from Star Wars here, even though it's still relevant, um, because really this has to ultimately do with streaming overall. And of course, much of what we we're talking about is Disney Plus, which is a streaming platform. But, um, you know, and this is something if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I got pretty hot and bothered about this openly. Um, but uh, in the the you know, and we don't have to get too much into the politics around it, or at least the the overarching politics of it. But I think it's worthwhile to bring up. Um, in the COVID nineteen relief bill, which the more we learn about it, basically does not seem to be relief for much of anything other than the powers that be. Um, <laughs> there was a <laughs> there was a a provision, shall we say, for. <sighs> Basically, if you are, and, and a lot of people misunderstood what was being said here. I put a link in the show notes about this, but if you are offering what would be called a pirate streaming service or an illegal streaming service that was for profit. Now, how you get classified as for profit, uh, is I, I don't know. Like, is it because you have ads on your site? Does that make you for profit? Like it's a very, cause I don't know anybody that really pays for this sort of thing like that, that actually pays with their credit card. Uh, so that's kind of dubious what exactly that means for profit. But basically if you are running a for profit uh, pirate streaming service, you could see 10 years in prison. What that has to do with COVID-19. I have no idea. And everybody and many people rightfully so said, wait, what does this have to do with COVID-19 relief? It, it, that that's horseshit. Um, I mean, we can very clearly say at the onset, you know, when you have a bill that's named COVID-19 relief, you probably want to toss everything you can into those 5,000 pages because it's a good bet that it'll get passed just because, right. uh, you know, on the name alone. Okay. And that, that even know, seems to be questioned right now. So, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so they can't even, they can't even give the plebs their $600. Yeah. Right. Oh, do we give them two grand? Do we give them whatever? It's like, Oh, it doesn't matter. What do we give the billionaires? All right. No, anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, mind blowing. So this, this is in there. Uh, I can't help but feel that this is coming from the lobbyists uh, from the entertainment industry 
And somehow they are feeling some very real squeeze from the fact that people are not putting up the 10 to 15, or shall we say the five to $15 per month for all of these different streaming services. And so they're trying to, they're trying to shut them down. Um, and that that's real, you know, that's what this is all about. Um, I do think it points that, that like people are kind of fed up with the amount of streaming services that they have to subscribe to, that it's antithetical to what people originally thought streaming services were going to offer them, that they could get away from the 150 to $200 cable bills that they had been paying. Um, you know, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I predicted would happen on sovereign tech for years. You know, it's not necessarily new perhaps to this audience. Uh, but I wanted to bring it up that, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to pay for any of these streaming services either. I also don't use any, like I don't use any pirate streaming services uh, whatsoever, but it, it doesn't appear. I think a lot of people were getting confused that they thought that this meant that if you were torrenting episodes or downloading episodes of something, whatever, that you were going to get 10 years in prison. That doesn't seem to be the case No. Uh, here, but I don't know. I mean, there- did, when you saw it, go ahead, Rob. What do you they're got? They're going after they're going after the the popcorn times and you know right. other services like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I again, I've these aren't things that I ever really used. When I, you know, I'll, I'll say it. When I torrent, you know, I torrent old school, and I mm-hmm. download the whole episode, and I keep the damn file, and I don't mind saying I keep the damn file. In fact, you know what? And and Rob, if you want me to edit it, I will. But I'll just say it here. Uh, I'm going to torrent Wonder Woman '84, and I'm going to watch it. You know, and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I mean, I'll 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 be perfectly honest with you too. Um, you know, like I'm I'm glad that the 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 makers of uh, Legendary Entertainment is is fighting against AT and T and HBO Max uh, to get their their movie you know in theaters. But at the same time, I'm I'm kind of sad that I won't be able to pirate it as soon as I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, I'm just like you know, come at me. Like, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. You know, because you know, at, at the end, go ahead. I mean, the, the the you know what the thing that always really gets me about all these these different and we we hear it over and over again every time piracy is in the news. Mm-hmm. This is they throw out some ridiculous figure like this costs us thirty billion dollars a year, uh-huh. and you know what? I'm sorry, that's thirty billion dollars that doesn't exist in the fucking economy. Yeah. 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 Well said. You know, uh, I mean, I don't know where you thought that was coming from, but it doesn't exist. The reason people are pirating things for a lot of times is not just because they don't want to be subscribing to all these different services. They can't goddamn afford it. Yeah. You know, the, oh, you raise a great point because this is just such tremendous hubris on the point of these uh, or on the side of these uh, of the studios where they're where they think they are so fucking important that the only the, that the only alternative to, you know, these pirate streaming services is that people would pay for theirs. No, like there's no guarantee <laughs> that people would, would fucking pay for your shit. If, if they couldn't pirate it, that that's, that's nonsense. Like there's no guarantees of that. And to lay out that $30 billion yearly, cause that's what they said yeah. is that, is that these pirate streaming services are costing the entertainment industry $30 billion yearly. Uh, that that is not a guaranteed money at all, and like you said, that's not that's not money that's actually in the economy. What are they talking about? They're fake numbers, uh, or, or speculative numbers at that. And you're gonna throw people in ten years in prison for that? I mean, and that you know that's the part that really rubs me about this. And any time, like 
you know, with, with Napster, go down the fucking list of any of these people. Like I, I want to, you know, we're doing a show here. We're doing a podcast about star Wars. There are still plenty of people. It's not the same as it was in the nineties. In the nineties, there would have been a lot more, but there are still plenty of people who today who would say you do an entire podcast about star Wars and science fiction. It's just a fucking movie. It's just a TV show. It's a, it's just this. And I hear where they're coming from. And at the end of the day, most of the time they're not wrong, but then let's take that all the way. How about you go in front of the judge and say, your honor, they're just fucking movies. What are you doing? Throwing people behind bars next to murders and whatever else, you know, like they're just movies and, 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 okay, fine. There's somebody's livelihood and they make money off of it and all this stuff. Yeah. Okay. But at the end of the day, really they're, you know, let, let's just call it, it's just entertainment. It's just art. And you're, you're literally going to toss people in prison over these sorts of things that, that just drives me nuts. You know, it's like, Oh, the kid's listening to a song. Oh boy. Criminal, you know, <laughs> like, come on. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you really want to talk about the, the poor artists, uh, you know, and, and, how you're taking food out off of their plates. Um, why don't you look at the, the, the studio execs for that? Because mm-hmm. they're already the, the they, they're the people that have been exploiting the passion of artists and creative types for, for generations and yeah. underpaying them. So yeah. yeah, you know what, when you, when you start paying creatives, what they're worth, right. and I'm not talking just about the director and the actors, I'm talking about, all like when you go and you look at the credits and you see all of those names, mm-hmm. those are the people I'm talking about. When you pay yeah. them a living wage, then we can talk about how we're taking money out of their mouths and off their plates with a little bit of piracy. Right. I mean, you know, sure. Go after the pirate streaming services after you've paid Alan Dean Foster. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like this, go ahead and play, go ahead and pay. ADF. And then we can talk about, you know, maybe where you're losing money, but like the people that actually created your shit aren't getting paid. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, right. It, the, the incentives are totally off on this. Um, I mean, fortunately, I don't think there's anybody who's defending this, like not really not, or at least not anybody that's, that's outside of the industry anyway. Uh, you know, that, that was defending this whole thing. It's, it's unbelievable. And I, I don't know if it's going to actually end up passing or not. Um, but I, I just, I, I can't fathom it, you know? Uh, and really I think where they lose the most money, you know, you want to talk about money that's actually in the economy and that probably does end up being, you know, close to 30 billion a year for the entire en- entertainment industry is all the money they waste on anti-piracy or on digital rights management that doesn't thwart anybody that doesn't right. stop anybody from, right. you know, from streaming or copying their stuff. Uh, they, I know they spend at least millions of dollars on that. You know, if you're worried about your pocketbook, then cut that out because you know it's not stopping anything. That's why you're trying to pass this shit through a relief bill. Uh, so none of this makes sense. Uh, I mean, you got any other thoughts on it, Rob? No, I've said my piece. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only criminals here are the fucking studios. <laughs> yeah, well, and the politicians. And the politicians, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll, we'll see if this ends up actually getting passed. I will be intrigued to learn if it does. Um, but just, just stupid. So 
how about Rob? How about we talk about some things that uh, that aren't stupid? Uh, some things that are actually pretty damn cool. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll get into our picks of the episode. Uh, we didn't get into them in our last episode, but we've got a couple of doozies to make up for it here. Let me assure you of that. Uh, you want to start off, Rob, or you want me to start? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, so sure. for my pick, uh, we've kind of got a uh, a sequel from uh, a pick from a year or two ago. I think it was. And that uh, we had uh, the the YouTube channel um, uh, uh, Star Wars Theory came yep. up with a uh, a short uh, you know a fan film uh, called Vader, and this is basically a a trailer or a cinematic of sorts of uh, Vader Episode Two, uh, and we get some awesome Mace Windu action uh, where he. Uh, well, let's just say that uh, if you were ever uh, a fan of the Republic Commando games, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to love the heck out of this little uh, the trailer or cinematic. Uh, it does appear to be mostly uh, a CGI. It remains to be seen whether or not we're going to get a live action version of this. But right. uh, it already looks fan- the, like the, the, the production quality just on this alone looks fantastic. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing the whole thing when it does uh, eventually arrive on our doorstep. Yeah, so we've got, it's like about three minutes. Um, and certainly if you watched uh, the Vader episode one, I think they called it Shards of the Past. If you watch that, which we reviewed, and I mean, I thought was very well done. Um, that was mainly like actors, like that was live action. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends off in a, I mean, and this is the only real critique I had of it is that you could tell the building that they were in at the end of that was, was, a, was a, you know, a funeral home basically yeah, yeah like a mausoleum. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was a mausoleum. That's exactly what it was. Uh, but it worked like, I was like, eh, yeah, but that, that kind of works. Like that looks like Naboo or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because Naboo had very much like, you know, the, the vaulted ceilings in a marble and you know, the kind of stuff. Yeah, had a Renaissance expect. look. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so this picks up, you know, kind of, kind of right along with that. And yeah, you have a bunch of CGI, uh, clone troopers and so on. And, um, yeah. And then Mace Windu shows up, you know, and, and, and it it just, I agree with you. It works. It looks good. And even if it stays as CGI and doesn't bother going into, you know, more live action or fleshing out to that point, again, there's a release, a release date of to be decided, you know, it's, it's, it's TBD or TBA. Um, I'd be fine with it. I, I thought it was really cool uh, yeah. and, and just a lot of fun to watch. Um, and well, again, you know, we talked about it earlier. People were wondering if they're going to bring Mace Windu back. We know that Samuel Jackson is totally for it. Of course, why wouldn't he be? Uh, and I'm not opposed to the idea in and of itself either. Uh, I thought he was a great character in the, in the prequels. Um, I mean, a lot of people think he's sort of monoton- uh, monotonous, you know, or kind of one note. Uh, but I no, I thought he was cool, especially in Clone Wars. He's like downright funny a lot of times. What he's do you got? Still, he's still the worst Jedi ever. But I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's all right. He is the wharf of Star Wars, right? Where he's just kind of always wrong. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, he's the micro brain of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, the macro head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like Worf is always like, all right, should we shoot it, sir? <laughs> you know, and Picard just has to look at him. Why would we shoot at it? <laughs> yeah, uh, fair enough. So, but it, but it, it it's cool. It, it works. I, I really like this. Uh, 
and yeah, I, I appreciate star Wars theories work on the matter. If anything, he's, he's bringing, he's at least showing, I, I could, you could make the argument that he's showing Disney. This is something that people want because of the large reaction that he gets. Cause he does right. have a very large audience. Yeah. And so I applaud that in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, I will say it like he's one of the few Star Wars, you know, YouTubers out there left that I still have any amount of respect for. Uh, the rest of them, for the most part, can, you know, fucking take a long walk off a short, you know, uh, skiff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like I, I'm totally I, I mean, I'll name names. Uh, and, and yeah, we've talked very kindly about Star Wars theory in the past. I thought his rant about how about how horrible, you know, the sequel trilogy is any fan could have written something better and that it's basically fan fiction. I thought was right on point. Uh, but I mean, like, you know, and I've talked about these guys as well in the past, but I'm just fed up with them. Like midnight's edge, Doomcock, these idiots. I, I'm never watching another video by these people. Fuck them. Like the, the, you know, the way these are the kind of people who they just, you know, even with as great as everything we've talked about has been so far with star Wars, with the Mandalorian, and so on. These people just can't let go. They they have to fucking complain still. And, you know, when you, when you get a good thing in your life, baby, don't, don't complain about it because that's your, you know, I don't know that, that that's where, how you make your money by just yeah. complaining about everything. Right. Uh, well, I mean, it's a, to, it's part of a toxic environment too, because yes. I mean, you know, uh, hate draw, uh, drives views on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Extremes drive. So they're, or drive, so, so, uh, yeah. so they're just, they're just playing the fiddles of the, 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 the algorithm, which is kind of like a, a, a sad existence in my opinion, you know, yeah. that your life is dictated by some, you know, unknown computer algorithm. That's, that's, that's pretty pathetic. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, cause as much as, and, and again, I've agreed, I've agreed with star Wars theories, you know, with his like critiques, um, I remember Sam Witwer had said on Twitter and now he was critiquing some guys that I actually think do pretty good work, uh, that being red letter media, but he was critiquing them saying, you know, instead of tearing stuff down, why don't you build something credit to star Wars theory, instead of just tearing stuff down, he's actually building shit because yeah. this, this trailer was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Vader episode one was awesome. And so, you know, here, here's a guy living up to that. And I, I can, I can see where Sam Witwer is coming from on that. And I'm never going to argue with Sam Witwer anyway, so we'll, we'll leave well, it there. I mean, and, and, and credit to Star Wars Theory, too, is, is he, like he's he's always been, you know, very, you know, he's he presents his his views in a even fashion where, like, mm -hmm. he, he doesn't hate people who like the sequel trilogy. He's right. made very reconciliatory videos about, hey, you know what, like, we're all Star Wars fans. We have mm -hmm. this passion for this universe. I just happen to not like this part of it. And here's the reasons why. Right. And I think that's really just kind of like a very level headed and, and good way to go about it. And like I said, he's, he's the only one that's, that's not playing to the YouTube hate algorithm. And I applaud him for that. Yep. No, I agree. I agree with you completely on that. Uh, so nice work on his part with this one and, and a great pick, Rob. Uh, I, I, I love it. Um, I mean, just, just, yeah, very cool. And that callback to, uh, um, shit, Republic was Commando. Game? Yeah, Republic Commandos. Uh, I love that. That game was very short, but man, it was fun for what it was. I yeah. I, I, I loved it. So nice touch. Well, uh, unless you got anything else, I'll go into my pick. Go for it. 
And I'll uh, I'll pull it out here, even though we don't share the video of what Rob and I do, or at least usually we don't. Um, though, of course, we are on YouTube. You can go to TieFighter.xyz, and if you want to follow us there, that that is uh, one avenue that this is all available, especially if for some reason you don't like listening to me for two hours uh, every week <laughs> doing Sovereign Tech, <laughs> which I don't blame you. So, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, this is a book that uh, just came out this year, and it is Flash Gordon, the official story of the film by John Walsh. Uh, this is a massive tome. Uh, I mean, not like a high page count uh, by any means. It's about 200 pages, uh, but it's a coffee table book. I mean, it, it's it's a big one. Um, I my love of Flash Gordon is that the film from 1980 uh, is is not unknown uh, to listeners of this show. Uh, I, I've I've you know talked about it and brought it up many times. Um, I consider it and and you know. I know I piss people off when I say this. I consider it a better movie than Star Wars: A New Hope, but we'll we'll run with it. Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 apropos because I mean, it was the movie that George Lucas wanted to make before Star Wars. Correct. Yeah. Um, and this book, so so this book covers the the production of that entire film. You know, it gives a lot of stories about Dino De Laurentiis. Uh, the director was heavily involved with the book. Uh, they do talk to Sam Jones about it. I mean, that that was a troubled production to the point where Sam Jones, who played, uh, you know, who, who played Flash Gordon in it, I'm like, he walked off set and it created major bad blood. I mean, there's amazing stories that happened around this movie. Um, and there's like whole alternate endings that I had no idea even existed. And there's, there's full footage from it and like there's stills and everything. And it's all in this book. The concept artwork that's in this book is tremendous. Uh, it is a, it is an amazing 200 pages, a very uncensored look. Uh, like there's no studio involved with this whatsoever. Um, this is just a straight up uncensored look at what's the nitty gritty behind that movie. How did it get made? Uh, there's like, there's guys who have collected tons of the props that were getting thrown out for it. Uh, where they like, they own all the weapons from the film. I mean, one thing nobody disagrees with about the movie flash Gordon is that it has a very unique look like many Dino movies do. Uh, you know, it has a, just a, I mean, there's nothing else that looks like it, you know, all the stylings and everything. And when you read about it and as well as some of like the deleted scenes that don't exist anymore, there's some really, really interesting scenes that were had, uh, like with princess Alora and so on that I had no idea about. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of this movie. Uh, so even if you think you know everything about flash Gordon, I guarantee you there is a ton in this book, uh, to, to glean and pick up and that you probably did not know about. Um, Brian blessed even talks about like what the, what the sequels were planned, what they planned for those, uh, which like the second movie was going to be on Mars. I mean, like really, really interesting stuff. Uh, so I, I can't recommend this book enough. It, it's, it's perfect. If you're into the movie, uh, you're really in for a treat, even though it does cost about 50 bucks. It's, it's worth the shot. Yeah. It's a beautiful book from what Brian has showed me. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gorgeous. I mean, very well produced book, not cheap at all. It's not like one of those black and white jobbers that, that, that some series get, or some movies will get to later on by a fan, which I'm not disrespecting those. I think they're, they're great books. Uh, but this is one that's really, really professionally done very worthwhile. So, uh, yeah, it's a flash Gordon, the official story of the film by John Walsh. So anyway, uh, <laughs> there's our picks. Um, you know, we've been going for uh, probably almost three hours here, so. <laughs> so I don't think we need to add anything uh, else in for now. 
Uh, we know we got a lot of great Star Wars coming up. Um, there's other, I mean, 2021 is still going to be an incredibly interesting year just with the releases that are going to, you know, that Warner Brothers is going to, you know, be having drop. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot coming up, amazingly, when you thought that production had basically halted on so much. Really, there's just a lot of stuff that got stalled that's just been in a holding pattern waiting to come out. Um, and we're going to be covering a lot of that going into 2021 because this is the last episode of TIE Fighter Renegades for 2020. And, uh, I mean, Rob, you got any expectations for 2021? I mean, you know, about the entertainment industry overall? Any any thoughts like that? Uh, I mean, I, I, I unfortunately, I think it's going to be more of like the, a return to, to what we're used to unless – you know, what we had talked about before with the Mandalorian really shaking mm-hmm. things up. Um, it, it's it's going to be the same old game in Hollywood again, um, for the most part. Uh, I think I think maybe looking down another two or three years or even five years, things might get interesting. But, mm-hmm. but for right now, I think we're kind of like in a transition phase. And uh, it's, it's Hollywood basically going to be trying to get back to their old shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, I think we're definitely in a, in a figuring things out phase, but as they're figuring things out, it is going to be more of the same. Uh, or, it, yeah, I, I, I mean, with with the announcements that Disney made, you know, like I, I feel like that just completely changed the shift, or I mean, that that completely shifted the, the you know the power balance with, with within the entertainment industry overall. Uh, because that was just such a dominant play and such a dominant announcement. I mean, it's really unbelievable. So I'm sure we'll hear more about that throughout 2021. If they play their cards right, they will cover a lot of the production of these things. And that could get us through 2021 in many ways, even if Disney didn't have a whole lot already in motion. Um, But yeah, I agree. I agree with your assessment on 2021. I think that's where we're at. But overall, excited about Star Wars personally. And oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. you know, and 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 you know, like I mean, the, the, what Disney is doing, it is very exciting. I'm I'm, and by no means a Disney fan though. I'm not exactly, you know, rooting for the corporation itself. No. Um, yeah. No. No. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that 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 you know these moves do shake things up in, in a positive direction for the, the industry in the future. I just think it's going to uh, take a while for people to actually catch up and realize what's actually going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, you know, I think a good, a cool thing to do for the next episode, I usually do this on sovereign tech, but I think it'd be fun for you and I to do it is uh, we should do a best of 2020, uh, you know, like, like best TV series, best movie, best, you know, just, just, just go down some kind of list of best ofs. It's going to be a be short fun. list. <laughs> <laughs> there it is <laughs> yeah it might be a short list but you know <laughs> you gotta give people something <laughs> that's hilarious uh yeah right on well anyway uh i think that'll do it for this episode of tie fighter renegades and i think that actually already did it for the next episode too <laughs> But we'll leave it at that. Uh, Always best of times, Rob. And, uh, well, everyone else, hail Ming. (laughs) 